Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Battle Round. It has been too long. It's been three weeks since we've sat in these chairs and come to you live with a with a an installment of the Battle Round. So happy to be back with you today on a brisk, putting in putting it mildly, uh, morning here on a Saturday morning on January eighth in Baltimore. It is like twenty five degrees outside, Zach, and you know. How much I hate the cold! It's oh, I thought you loved the cold. No, oh, it's it's freaking it's balls cold outside. I don't get that statement because balls generally aren't aren't cold, but it's balls cold outside. Um, just want to remind you the bat around is being brought to you today by Toyota. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota Rav Four. Available in hybrid or gas only models, a Rav Four can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Rav Fours from your local Toyota dealer today. Zach and I each have gotten a new car in the last year, so we don't need a Toyota. But I may just have to look at a new RAV4 next time I'm in the there market for a vehicular. Uh, good morning, Zach. My, How my, are you? My dad's got one of those RAV4. He's, he's I, got a RAV4? Yeah, I drove, it, it, I drove it, it, it to the studio yesterday because I don't have I don't have all-wheel drive. So I was a little wow. nervous with the snow when I came in here for in GCR. Your, in your Volkswagen luxury right, sedan. And, and I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I was a little nervous with you know front-wheel drive and snow and ice and everything. So took the RAV4. It's a good car. It's a really yeah, good car. Yeah, did your dad... Hey, do me a favor. Turn us both down just a little okay. bit. Um, did your dad buy it after hearing our ads on the battery? No. No, no. He actually bought it for the sake of the show. He bought it before the. I mean, he. I think he bought it about three months before I, I started the show. So yeah. ah, yeah. so maybe he was too bad. Like, maybe he was listening to. Me, although three months before you started the show, there was no battery on because we were in the middle of a shutdown with uh with COVID, hon. So mm, yeah. everybody has it now. Everybody. Yeah. It's like I heard it went from like three percent of the population to like ninety percent of the population. Well, right now like it's overnight. like it's like. The, the state of Maryland's close to thirty percent, right? Which is yeah, insane. It's, it's insane. Yeah, well, luckily, Omicron, for all intents and purposes, is a uh, it's a milder strain yeah. of the virus. Um, now, when we say milder, you're still getting fevers, you're mm-hmm. still getting flu-like symptoms, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to go any further because I don't know the numbers. And I don't want to say people aren't dying, and we find out pe- like thousands of people are dying. You know what I mean? But it's for if you're vaxxed and boosted, it's it's much milder. So go get those yeah. booster shots and those vaccines. Anyway, moving on. We are back here on the bat around, and the Orioles, despite being in the middle of a of a lockout, the Orioles have done made some moves. Uh, the Orioles they moved their flagship station from 105.7 The Fan back to 98 Rock and WBAL 1090 AM. Um, first time on 98 Rock since, from what I hear, the early 90s. Uh, back. They seem to have gone back and forth. When I was growing up, it was always on 1090 AM, which I never really understood because you're getting... AM isn't the greatest clarity, right? You're not getting great clarity. Zach, have you ever listened to an AM station? Yes, actually. Uh, the clarity's not great. No, it's it's bad. Really yeah. bad. I've listened to 1090 quite a few times. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't get it being on AM, but, you know, if, if WBAL... What, what it comes down to, right, is money. And if WBAL and 98 Rock, they're, they're in the Hearst family... If they're willing to shell out the money that it takes to get the Orioles to be to, to it takes to get the Orioles to make them their flagship station, then more power to them. The Orioles are going to take the highest bid, right? And so you don't look at 1057 and say they did anything particularly wrong to not have the Orioles anymore. Maybe 
98 Rock and WBL were just willing to put forth more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's one of those things. I think 98 Rock does a great job with their Ravens broadcast. I really do. So I'm excited to see. And you're still going to have the same broadcasters. It's just coming from a different station. So I'm excited to see what 98 Rock is going to do. Uh, there's still not really much clarity on whether or not this is going to be um, on 98 Rock and WBAL simultaneously or if 98 Rock gets some of the games and WBAL gets some of the games. For sure, uh, when it comes to uh, September and it, hopefully, God willing, New Orleans are playing on October, the Sunday games are going to be on <laughs> WBAL because it's a six-year deal. You'd like to think yeah. that in the next six years, New Orleans will, will be playing in October. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were talking about this year, and I was no, like, uh, no, 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 that, <laughs> that, would be, that would be as miraculous L- as, as, as the Ravens being the number one seed through 12 weeks. Um, but uh, ho- on, on Sundays, the Ra- 98 Rock's going to be broadcasting Ravens games at 1 o'clock, and New Orleans play a... 105, I believe, every Sunday. It used to be 135, 105 mm. every Sunday. So 98 Rock's not going to carry those games. So we'll we'll have to see more clarity on what the broadcast schedule will look like. But first, we have to have uh, we have to have baseball, right? Baseball has to end this lockout. We have to have a new CBA to have a broadcast schedule to have any games scheduled at all. And right now, there's nothing going on, Zach, in the world of baseball. The two sides have not met since December 2nd. December 1st, uh, when they met for seven minutes, wh- what was the point? What is the point of meeting for seven minutes? It, you're both going in there, sticks in the mud. You're not willing to wiggle on anything. And people are getting upset now because they haven't met since then. We're, what, five, six weeks into this lockout, and there's been no movement. There's no been no communication. We, I, I read an article by Evan Drellis, who's been on this show. Uh, I read an article this morning when I got up. And he said that there are meetings, there are meetings scheduled between the two sides, but he had, I believe it was two anonymous sources from the who had to deal with the NBA lockout. And from what he's saying, it, it, from what they said, basically nobody's going to make a move until they're forced to, right? So players aren't going to be willing to wiggle until there's there, there's paychecks involved, in, until there's the threat of them not getting paid, and that's when things are going to happen. And what happens there, and it, it turns out being a a bonus for the owners. It looks like the owners went out. The last two CBAs, the owners won out in those agreements because it, it came down to you're not getting paid if you're not playing. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're looking to avoid that. What kind of leverage do the players have if they don't get something done before the season's about to start? I, I don't think they have any. I, I don't really see the players having much leverage at all. But I, I think, again, we talked about this on GCR yesterday where they're so far apart. They're so... The sides want completely different things. And there are a few things they want you know, the same. They obviously... I, I think they service time is something that they, they're starting to maybe agree on a little bit more than they have in past years. But they're very far apart on a lot of issues. And it's going to take a lot for these these sides to come together. And like you said, make concessions and, and um, you know, kind of... Being able to just collaborate at all, I think it's very, very tough for these two sides because they are just so far apart. But I, I don't, you know, coming to, uh, to the table for seven minutes and just, oh, you know, saying we spoke, saying we had these discussions, it doesn't mean anything, right? Seven minutes is not going to get anything done. There's A CBA has to be a lot more of a discussion than seven minutes is going to give you. So it's it's looking bad at this moment. And, you know, there, there are going to be 
there is going to be a time, I don't know when it's going to be, but probably late February, mid-February, where some side, you know, probably the players, will feel forced because they need their paychecks and they want to play. And that's what's, you know, probably going to happen. I have told you this before, that I fall more on the owner's side of, of the things that they want. I really think that... I would rather keep baseball the way it is instead of moving, you know, service time down to to five years before you become a free agent and stuff like that. And I'm a little bit against maybe the 29 and a half rule where you you automatically become a free agent at 29 and a half. And there are some things that I don't quite agree with the players on, and I think the players will end up being the ones that have to give in at the end. That is a that's a nice pullover. Thank you. you. I just noticed Thank that's, you. A, that's a nice looking pullover. Thank you. Anyway, I got a uh, I got an event to go to after this, so a little, little bit of a formal event. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I got to uh, be a little more formal. I know today. what the event is. Up, uh, yeah, it's pullover attire. Is is? I mean, I I think honestly, it might it might be. We're not really sure, so we're just gonna figure it out as we <laughs> figure uh, it out as we go. So, so Zach has to leave the show today at yeah. eleven forty-five because he's got a a a. a, a, a a friend of his, his father passed, and Zach mm. has to go to the funeral. So yes. by, by all means, by all means, go. Um, I went to a funeral one time. One of my coaches, uh, I, I played baseball. I, not to derail here and get off track, but, you know, it, it's <laughs> we, story we, time. we do it all the time. Yeah. It's okay. I went to, I, I, I played baseball in um, the Susquehanna League in Hartford County. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row, our head coach died. Wow. In, the se- in season. What were you doing to him? Well, the one guy, he had cancer. Oh. Uh, and the other guy had a massive heart attack. Wow. And the guy who had a massive heart attack, great guy. His son was 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 one of our star players, pitcher, shortstop. He was awesome. Mm. I remember he had two home runs in a game one time. One of them was a walk off. He he was a man. Um, but it was very a very informal funeral. The guy was buried in his. Um, he was a Steelers fan, and he, he was buried in his Steelers jersey. Um, his family was dressed nicely, but, but it was very informal. You didn't have to dress up. Mm. You know what I mean? I, we, I still dress nicely to go to the viewing and whatnot, yeah. but it was, um, very, very informal. So I totally, I totally no, I, I, I believe it's informal, but, uh, if everyone else is there in a suit and tie, then I guess I'll be the one in a pullover. You'll so, be, hey. you'll, you'll be the 20 year old who doesn't yeah. know, who doesn't know how to, you know, do basic adult things. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no, um, anyway, back to what we were, back to what we were talking about. The, the, the thing here with this CBA and, and, and I, I don't think it's just me, because you have national writers. Britt Brit Girola used to write for the Orioles and wrote for the Nationals. Now she's a national baseball mm-hmm. writer for the Athletic. Fantastic, phenomenal talent. She even put, The reason I saw the article by Evan Drellich this morning is because I saw her quote tweet that said, This sucks. This really sucks. Mm-hmm. Now, when I read the article, I didn't sit there and say, This sucks. This really sucks. I sat there and said, Well, this is... This is kind of what we we expected. That, it's not that, that far off, yeah. That 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 things aren't really going to move until they're under the gun, right? What what bothers me is the disconnect between both sides and the fans, because at the end of the day, it fans look at this and they say this is billionaires fighting millionaires mm-hmm. over money, and that that's what we see. And you're not thinking about the fans, who are the reason you have a game to play anyway. Yeah. The reason you are so wealthy, so well-paid, is because of the fans. And you're alienating the fans. It's January in Baltimore, and the Ravens have like a .82% chance of making the playoffs. So what are we looking forward to, Zach? We're looking forward to spring training. It's 25 freaking degrees outside. There's mm-hmm. snow on the ground. There's ice on the streets. What are we looking forward to? Sunshine, warm weather, baseball, daylight till 9. And you're threatening to take that away from us. We're still going to get 
warm weather and daylight till 9, but you're threatening to take away the thing that we're looking forward to right now. I can't get on board with either side. At this point, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. Get in the room and go topic or, or issue by issue and decide where you're willing to compromise. The unwillingness on both sides to go in with an open mind and compromise is just my, I can't get on I, I can't figure that out. It doesn't surprise me because both sides they have leaders that are frankly unwilling to work with each other, and we've known that for for quite a while now, and it's just the unfortunate nature of it. And I I, I don't really know if I see these two sides compromising on many things immediately. It's just going to be one side's going to have their hand forced, and they, I believe it's going to be the players, and yeah. they're going to have to give in to what the owners want because they want to play. They want that sunshine in Florida and Arizona. They want to be there too. They want to be an, op- an opening day in you know in, in late March or April, whenever it is. That's what the players want, and you know they're going to be looking to play as soon as possible, and they want to make a paycheck. Obviously, all of them, you know, they, they're still they need money to to live and do whatever they want to do. So they're going to have to, I, I think, make the the compromises later down the road. But right now, we're in a state where we just kind of have to sit and wait as fans. And like you said, there is a massive disconnect because they really, I mean, teams rely on fans. That's they rely on that fan revenue and and fans liking them and watching their broadcasts and going to the games and buying their concessions and all of this stuff. It makes the team money. And there is a disconnect right now between the fans and the players and the owners. There's just a huge huge disconnect right there. Well, how do you not look at this and say, "All right, we're not going to get everything we want." And and look, they have basically acknowledged that, mm-hmm. right? Each side has come with proposals that they think are compromises. Mm-hmm. But if you, there is somewhere, it's just like the players aren't going to go for that. The players, well, need, the players' union needs to understand that the owners do not want to wiggle yeah. on six years of team control. They right. do not want to wiggle. All right. Uh, that, and, and that, I, honestly, honestly, that's the big. On, that is the biggest issue. It, it seems to be. It's the biggest issue. Tackle that first. And is it really that big of a difference? I don't know. I, I still see it. You move it to five years, okay, great. You moved it to five years before you become a free agent. It's one year of a difference. I just don't see it as that big of a deal. If you're gonna, if you're a great player, if you come up out of the minors and you tear it up and you're you know you're Adley Rutschman and you're going off, you're probably going to earn an extension anyway, and you won't have to worry about that. Most so teams, focus on earning the extension. Most teams don't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They they it begins with a B. Bumble? It's not Bumble. Mm, no, no. Uh, I, I don't know. I, think that's, <laughs> I, don't, I, think that's I don't know what you're looking for. Site where the girl talks it, it to is, you it first. It is. Um, most teams don't do what the Orioles did with Manny Machado, mm-hmm. which is just screw it up. Frankly. Screw it up. Screw, most teams don't do that, uh, and, and I don't think that the Orioles. I would. Oh my God! I would love to believe that the Orioles are never going to do something that stupid again, right? You're gonna get your money. And probably before you're sick, because here's the other thing. If you're really good, if you're really good, after those three years, year four, you're getting a huge bump. Mm-hmm. Year five, you're getting a huge bump. Year six, you're getting that huge bump to like $30 million a year. If you're Juan right. Soto and you make it all yeah. the way through, you're getting $35 million a year in, in, in your sixth year. And the, the Nationals... If you don't extend that guy and build around him, what are you doing? Get right. Out, get out of the league. Right. And I'm saying as a player, if you're coming up and you th- you know you believe in yourself and you believe in your talent, 
you should believe that you're going to earn that extension and not need that you know extra you know that extra year that you can reach free agency earlier. Um, and you should just earn that extension with your team, or you know maybe earn yourself a trade like Manny Machado and and get you know get this big trade where you go over and to the Dodgers and have a chance to win. It's 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 stuff like that that I feel like the players are going to have to compromise on and realize we we're not going to get what we want here. We want to play baseball. That's what we really want over anything. Um, and the owners might have to make a few compromises too. I'm not saying both they won't. sides are going to have to compromise. Right, but I, I think as far as the free agency and service time thing goes, I think the owners are going to win it. I just do. And look, I understand where the players are coming from because they're not at a point yet where they have to give in, right? So no. they're sitting here and they're like, look, we're probably, no matter what, getting getting screwed here. Yeah. So we have to fight tooth and nail for anything we can get. And I get that. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. But at some point you have to understand, all right, Let's come up with a proposal that we believe works best for us mm-hmm. that we actually believe the owners will accept. Yep. I, I don't know. I, I'm not in it. Maybe if I was in I mean, I, I am in it, mm-hmm. but I'm not in it like they're in it. Well, right? it's January 8th, and I think that's the biggest thing. It, it's not February yet. And once it hits that month, once it hits next month, things are going to really start to take a turn. I think you're going to see the players start to panic and be like, oh, okay, we're not getting to spring training soon. We need to figure this out. And I think the sides will start to meet. Well, yeah, and and... And that's the other thing. We knew it was going to be dead silent mm-hmm. through the holidays. But now it's it's a but, little but, more it's a little more depressing but, but to see them still that way. We're only a week into the new year. Yeah. Right? We knew it was going to be dead silent through last weekend. Mm-hmm. So so really we're only one business week. Yeah. Five business days into the new year. So let's have a little bit more patience. A little bit more patience because it's not like they were going to figure this out on January 3rd. Mm-hmm. That was never going to happen. But I, but when nothing is happening, when you're hearing nothing, when you don't even know what we we heard today or yesterday that there are meetings scheduled, mm-hmm. but we don't know when they are. You're like, oh, come on, because we why do we do this show? Because we love baseball yep. and we want baseball. So they'll figure it out. Look, guys, I can say unequivocally. There's not a doubt in my mind there's going to be Major League Baseball this year and the majority of a full season, if not a full season. There's going to be a, a, a Major League Baseball season this yes. year. It's just up to them to get in to a conference room behind closed doors and figure this BS out. Mm-hmm. Let's figure it out and let's and let's move on. Speaking of moving on, the Orioles, um, look, they're they're doing something that they that they They've been doing a lot under Mike Elias. Something that we were that we're so glad that we're finally here. They're set to make another monster splash mm-hmm. in the international market when the signing period begins on January fifteenth, which is a week from tomorrow. I'm sorry, a week from today. A week from today. Um, they're expected to sign 22-year-old Cuban infielder Cesar Prieto for roughly $750,000. Uh, the Verge podcast tweeted out from Fangraphs yesterday, he's the best pure hitter in Cuba. He broke Kendris Morales' uh, rookie, rec- rookie hit record, then broke the Serie Nacional hit uh, streak record of 40 games in 2020 while striking out just six times in 250 at-bats. I saw this dude. I saw a video of him hitting. Mm-hmm. Remind me of Juan Soto. Very and good swing. He is in remarkable shape. Yes. He's got like six percent body fat. Mm-hmm. He is in remarkable shape. The swing is. So, I saw. I saw the swing. The first swing I saw him take gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. He looks like a stud. Now something could happen, and the Orioles end up not with him. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think it would be out. Rarely there. happens, but it does. Yeah. You know, sometimes happen. But 
the you look at during the and we're gonna we're gonna call Stan here in a couple of minutes. I just want to get through this a little bit. Um, you look at uh, most of these international signings. They're 16, 17, mm-hmm. some are eighteen. This guy's twenty two years old. Uh, he defected from Cuba when they went to play over in the in the Tokyo games. Um, and a lot of his teammates, a lot of his um, like people from from his nation were upset with him mm. for defecting. It's a different thing when you defect from Cuba, and it takes a little bit longer. Uh, we saw it with Henry Arudia. It took for freaking ever t- for him to get over here. Well, Yasiel's Puig, sto- Puig story about you know leaving and and the the things he had to go through was insane. Yeah. I don't know if you've read that, but it's pretty wild. So it's pretty wild <laughs> to be able to do that, to be able to defe- defect yeah. and get into over the Major League Baseball. Takes a little bit longer, mm-hmm. probably not four years longer. Um, he's 22 years old. One, where does that put him as far as his major league timeline? And two, uh, what kind of prospect is he really if he's 22? Well, my biggest question, the first thing I, I looked at when I when I saw this was the 750k. That isn't a massive signing bonus mm-hmm. when it comes to international. It's, I mean, because, it's because he's 22, right? And it's, it's because he's 22. But there are some guys who were signed for you know four or five, six million dollars, and and there are some some major splashes. You look at Renato Nunez, a guy that went for around six million dollars when he signed with the Athletics when he was ridiculously young, um, or the Rangers. I can't remember exactly which team it was, but there are guys who get massive signing bonuses, um, and this guy didn't. And like you said, because he's 22. But I think that makes his, his major league timeline not too far off from you know a few years down the road. It, it's probably going to be decently quick. I mean, he's already 22 years old. Some of the best prospects in the Orioles organization are around that 22-year-old mark. I believe Rutschman's now 23. Um, but there are some guys that are around that age. They're playing in Bowie, maybe high A. Um, and I, I think... He probably starts out at Aberdeen this year. I would that would be my guess. Yeah, I, at, at twenty two, you I, I right. can't imagine starting him out in the Florida complex. It, it could even be Bowie. Or, it or, could even. I don't know. It just depends on how they view him. I guess, I, I, and, and I, we don't really know. This isn't in my notes for John. Please don't let me forget. And if I forget, Cut. you ask him. I want to ask John what we can realistically expect. Now, I don't think he's got much eyes on him either, but he's more in tune with the Orioles than we are. Yeah, uh, be, simply because of what he does. Um, by, by the way, John Mioli will be on the show. He he defected, if you will, from the Baltimore <laughs> Sun, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about that a little bit later. Uh, but the Orioles are also expected to sign 16-year-old Dominican outfielder, uh, center fielder Braylon Tavera, for roughly 1.5 to 2 million dollars. He turns 17 next month. He's viewed as a potential five-tool player. Admittedly, Zach, I have not seen video on him yet. Give me give me the rundown on this guy. Yeah, I mean, Tavera's a really good athlete. Um, a guy who's probably going to stick in center field. I mean, he's going to fill out, of course, more because he's 16 years old. And generally, when you when you see guys that are 16 years old, they're pretty skinny, lanky, and tall. And that's what, what, that's what this guy comes to the table with. Um, he's got a really, really good swing. Very smooth. Drives the ball very well. Um, and I, I think that he's going to be able to to play center field and be that five-tool guy if he can develop. But obviously, 16-year-old is, is a long way off from the majors. We're looking at you know, at least three, four years until he, you know, if he's Juan Soto, maybe comes in at 19 years old. and is, Which is two years from now. Right, which is not that far off, but it's still, there's a lot of development that has to be done with these guys. They have to get into the complex league and then all the way through the minors. It's a long process. I don't know really what to make of some of these international guys because they're so, he's ranked number 22 by pipeline, but there's just not really that much known about them. There's just not that much. Obviously, the Orioles scouts, they know. I mean, they've been down there, you know, probably, they've known him probably since he was 10 years old, something yeah. like that. So they've, you know, been trying to, to 
get these guys, and that's how this whole process works. It takes a long time. They know these guys when they're very young, and they, they watch their whole baseball career. But as far as, as from a fan's perspective, we don't really know a lot about him. But I think that five-tool potential and that speed he has and the power tool, because he's got 55 power. He's a 55 overall on pipeline, uh, which would slot up towards the top of the Oriole prospect list. So I'm very excited about this one. I'm actually more excited about that than Prieto, um, if I'm saying that correctly. But It's probably Prieto. Yeah. Um, but it, Tavera is a really, really talented player. And $1.52 million, I believe that's the highest bonus the Orioles have given out. And that's something really exciting to yeah, see they, as well. Yeah, I think they gave out 1.2 to Samuel Basayo. Okay, yeah, I think la- you're right. La- yeah, the catcher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, is it Michael Hernandez? Michael they, Hernandez, yeah. Yeah, uh, they gave him uh, over a million last yep. year too. So uh, look, look, it's it's these are important signings. These are big deals. Uh, the reason I'm more excited about Prieto right now is because he's more imminent. Well, right. I mean, he could easily, if he starts out at Aberdeen, he could be up here by 2023. It's an easy, easy yeah. possibility. Yeah. So and you know, again, like we say on the show, remains to be sure, seen. Yeah. But it, it, and and we're going to talk to Stan a little bit about this. It's hard to get excited about a 16 year old. Yeah. Because He's not. He's not even an adult yet. Right. So he's he's basically still in high school. Right. Uh, the, he's not going to be here for at least three years. Another thing I'll say about this though, when people look at the pipeline rankings or Baseball America or any of the rankings that come out, um, you know, they know also sort of little, I guess, about their entire background. It's not like they know about them what they know about a draft prospect. It's just a very big difference. And you know, Juan Soto, I believe, is ranked in the twenties when he in his international signing class. And so it's you know, there's there's so much development to be done with these guys, so much of a long road to go through that we don't know a lot about them at this point, but it's exciting to see. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's it's so much better than um, the past before Elias got here when the Orioles had no footprint on the international market. To see them going out there and spending big money on big names is... No, look, it's not the four to six million you see other teams spending, but they're, they're, they're spending seven figures on players, which we ne- was unheard of in these parts. So I'm, I, for one, am excited. I'm excited to see what these guys can do. I'm excited to talk to Stan here in just a minute. Rest of the show coming up here. Stan, the fan, Charles, in a matter of moments. Again, we have John Mioli, formerly of the Baltimore Sun, joining us. Uh, Zach's going to sound all off on um, on Scott Boris a little bit uh, later on. And Orioles banter, and this is a segment I'm really excited for because it gives me a chance to be a little bit of a storyteller. It's going to be the top 10 moments or storylines from 2021 with the Orioles. Real quick, um, Buck Showalter was finally confirmed over the last couple of weeks as the Mets manager. We're going to touch on that in just a minute. Ken Rosenthal's contract not renewed by MLB Network. We're going to touch on that with Stan a little bit first. But first and foremost, we do have Stan on the line now. Stan, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy uh, New Year to you guys. Happy New Year to you too, sir. Thank you for the uh, for the well wishes. Stan, let's yeah. dive right in. The uh, Orioles, they made a move from 105.7 The Fan to 98 Rock and WBAL 1090 AM as their flagship stations. What do you think prompted the move and what are your thoughts on the move? I think the move is a real strong move for the Baltimore Orioles right now. You know, uh, I happen to be one of the only folks around old enough to remember when they left WBAL for the first time back after the 1978 season. And you guys may not really know the history of attendance for Baltimore Orioles baseball, but I'm just looking at 1969, the Orioles won the World Series. They drew 1,062,000 people. Next year, with that big bump from having won the World Series, or I'm sorry, lost the World Series in 69 to the Mets, but the big bump of being in the World Series, 
they drew 1,057,000. The following year, after winning the World Series, they drew 1,023,000. Next three seasons didn't even reach a million fans. Wow. 75, a million, 2,000 fans. All of a sudden, in 1978, when they drew 1,051,000 fans, and again, this is a perennial contender now, the Baltimore Orioles. They moved the WFBR in 1979. They drew 1,681,000. The following year, 1,797,000. 81, they drew 1,024,000, but that was a strike shortened season. Yeah. They probably missed about 20, 30 home games that year. The point I'm making is, after 1978, the Orioles moved to WFBR radio. And WFBR was a small station, which WBAL trumps in terms of its, uh, you know, volume, uh, you know, wattage. You know, WFBR was 5,000 watts. WBAL was 50,000 watts. But what WFBR had was a great need to wrap itself around Orioles and Orioles programming. And that's, in fact, how my career took off in 1981 when they gave me a shot to do some work and really in 1983 which was the first year the club drew over two million fans but the orioles right now have gone from where they were perennial high two millions to into the three millions you know from 19 from 1991 they drew 2.5 million to the next year camden yards open 3.5 Three point six, two point five again in a strike shortened season. Three million, three six, three seven, three eight, three four, three two, three million. So for nine, ten years, the Orioles drew three million fans. That's insane. Well, the Orioles, by luck of the of what's happened, the pandemic, the Freddie Gray riots, the the club's inability to win games. Last year, they drew seven hundred ninety three thousand fans. Right. The lowest, I think, in the history. Let me see. Did they ever draw? Uh, the lowest they ever drew, have drawn in Baltimore, 793,000 fans. Wow. So the point is, it's not whether W1057, um, um, the fan, did a good job or not. It's really about wrapping yourself around a station that needs you as much as you need them. And I think this is a great marriage at this time because WBAL and 98 Rock, just through the way the broadcast business is today, they need something special to wrap themselves around. And football is one thing, but football presents you one opportunity a week, really, to really grab audience. Baseball offers you the opportunity to be promoting it daily and being the place to get information daily. So I think it's a great move. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I love the way 98 Rock has embraced the Ravens, and I love the coverage that they do. So I'm excited to see what they do uh, moving forward with the Orioles. Um, I, I personally like the move, too. And I, I also like what nobody really is talking about, so we can hopefully hush those people thinking the team is moving. They signed a six-year deal. So <laughs> you got Orioles baseball. The club, the club is not – that's a dead story. The club I know, is not I know. moving. It, it, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, Stan. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's still some conspiracy theorists out there that think they're moving to Nashville. So it's yeah, just kind but of you don't need to. Uh, I'm not telling you what to say and not say. 
but you don't need to give that oxygen. That is not a, a real story Fair in enough. any way, shape, or form. Fair, Fair enough. Now, Stan, I will tell you one flip side of this, though, that I want to say, and it's sort of what I wrote back in my column a couple months ago, uh, uh, two months ago, about the Orioles and their need not just to, to get better on the field, to get better off the field. And one of those things that this club lacks is, and I'm, I'm pretty good friends with John Angelos. John does not want to be the voice and face of the franchise. And in his abdication of that, there's, there is no Larry Lucchino when he was the team president. There's no Joe Foss uh, in the early years under Peter Angelos, who at least fans knew was kind of the titular head of the club. There's nobody like that. The other morning when they had uh, Brandon, uh, they had they had the Orioles on WBAL TV on the morning news. They had somebody to represent the Orioles. They had Brandon Hyde, on. Mm-hmm. and Brandon Hyde, frankly, didn't know the history of WBAL radio. Doesn't really know who the hell they are. Um, it's kind of ridiculous to have your baseball manager taking care of that kind of of uh, you know appearance. They really need to do a better job at presenting themselves and their organization to the public. They really do. Stan, you should send in an application. Uh, I'm not the right guy for that, seriously. <laughs> uh, I'm the right guy to, to be back on the radio doing some, some some baseball talk, but I'm not the right guy to be that uh, that guy. But I know, I know people that are, and I know who they could reach out to. They need somebody as a strong voice that the public knows when, when issues come up about ticket pricing and concessions and different aspects of the team, whether they're going to f- keep Mike Elias or not, that they, the fans know somebody's in charge. Right. You know, that really should have been probably Mike Elias with the way the club is structured now, or T.J. Brightman or Greg Bader. It should not have been the baseball manager. Right. Right, well, and... Uh... I'd like to give them a little bit of a leash because I know that that, that John um, is somewhat new, to, not totally new to this, but th- he's still in the infancy. No, of, but of he's his... made a conscious decision that he's not going to be the front person of the right. team. And you would you think know? it would be and, Michael. And that was something, frankly, his dad never really was very much. The, the public push, I mean, the media push for Peter to talk and be, be the guy to answer questions. He was a reluctant soldier in that in that war too. But mm-hmm. I'm saying part of of the attrition of fans is their awareness that like, hey, who's who's really running this? Who's really the free, you know? There is no front person. Yeah, no, and you would think it would be Mike Elias, um, but he has so much on his plate. Maybe they just don't want to put another thing on him. I I, I don't know how that goes, yeah. but yeah. I, I can't comment on why there wasn't somebody else, but there there are people in the hierarchy that run this club that could have done a better job representing the reasons that the Orioles. You know, when you're when you're making an appearance of that nature, you, you got to really be primed. And I talked. I did not see the appearance, but I was told by a couple people that know. You know, that watch these things very carefully. Mm-hmm that he didn't even appear to know the history of WBAL radio and the Orioles. Stan, do you think it's necessary? Zach keeps trying to talk to you. Something's going on with his microphone, so I'm, I'll, I'll just... What's he it. trying to say? Why don't you translate for him? 
All right, Stan, I'm using Paul's microphone for this one. But okay, uh, great. do you think th- th- a team president could be the answer to the, the Orioles' issues? A-, a team president that comes in and maybe doesn't really I, make baseball I exactly, decisions? That's exactly what okay. I'm saying. Okay, gotcha. There's somebody's so, team president. So someone that yep. would be above Mike Elias, but doesn't really make the baseball Correct. decisions. Correct. Okay. Would not be making baseball decisions, but would technically be his boss. It's, it's very similar like the Mets right now have Sandy Alderson. He's, he, he, at times, because of the problems they had with the last couple of general managers, he's jumped back in and been a baseball guy, but he was hired by the new owner, Steve Cohn, to be the team president. It's like what Dick Cass does for the Ravens. It's just like every team has a team president. The, the Orioles right. have these vice presidents, and I guess nobody of that group wants to really push to be the guy and i'm saying the public wants a guy yeah they, they or, or a woman when i say a guy they want a person that they feel like hey if i got a beef i know who to go to you know yeah it, it's it's kind of like uh with the ravens you you hear that steve bishotti hasn't really spoken publicly in a really long time people right. people want to hear from somebody now eric DaCosta does a lot of that and john harbaugh does a lot of that but people want to hear um, what's going on with the ball club above yeah. what the general manager has to say, and, what and, the and manager Dick, has Dick to Cass say. Dick will say a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I agree with you, Stan. Hopefully they have something in the works there because you can't have – I agree. It's not a great look to have um, your manager, who you may not who may not even be here after this season, on there talking about the few, the, about what's going on in the inner right. workings of the ball even, club. Even your GM, it's a little bit weird because the GM is not making it's, business decisions. It's not decisions. the right They're, thing for the GM. Right. The, the, the GM is the head of baseball operations, not really the organization as a, you know, from a business standpoint. So it's a little bit right. odd to have you know, Mike Elias come on and, and talk about the history of WBL Radio and, or, or Brandon Hyde yeah. or anybody like that. I, I definitely I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a sort of an analogy is during the Ray Rice situation, there were a couple moments in time, and I don't recall exactly why, and it might have been because Dick Cass knew some things that he didn't want to be asked the questions, but the the Ravens, a couple key moments in Ray Rice's situation, they had John Harbaugh talking about, you know, that. Yeah. It's one thing to ask him about where he stands, whether he's going to play or not, but to be asking John Harbaugh to make the corporate discussion points that you want to make about releasing Ray Rice or not releasing him or what happened. Uh, you have to have somebody that the public knows is in charge. I, I agree. And like I said, hopefully they have something in the works there so that we can have somebody that, to turn to in these times. Um, yep. Now, the Orioles, they, they, they can't do anything on the major league level with the four, with the forty man roster because of the lockout. But they are going to be big in the international market again, which is so refreshing to see. Stan, they're reportedly going to sign uh, Cesar Prieto, a twenty two year old infielder considered the best hitter in Cuba, struck out just six times in two hundred fifty plate appearances in twenty twenty. They're reportedly going to clo- going to sign him for close to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and also a sixteen year old outfielder from the Dominican Republic, Braylon Tavera, potential five tool player in the future for $1.5 to $2 million. Now, there's not much out there on these kids. Uh, I get that. There's some videos. So I, wanna, I don't expect you to know the the ins and outs of these players. But how important is it that the Orioles are making splash shinings like this? Um, and what does it say about the future of the franchise? Well, it's it's a it's a great thing to hear that they've gotten two, two you know, significant signings in the works uh, there. 
you know, uh, all I really know is what you wrote in our talking points. Uh-huh. And when you have a 16-year-old kid that gets $1.5 to $2 million, that's really significant, okay? Uh, it means you're really taking a a solid, what you think is a solid gamble, and you want to beat other teams to the punch. Right. The other kid who you've described, Cesar Prieto, uh, who's an infielder considered the best hitter in Cuba, that's really promising that he struck out just eight times in 250 at-bats in 2020. I'd love to know what level he was playing. Was that for the Cuba national team? Yes. I don't know that. Okay. That's that's nice. But what, what sort of spooks me on him is $750,000. And you ask, is he, is he, you know, am I concerned with his age? The only thing that concerns me is at 22, he should be pretty damn close to being major league ready. And you would think he, if he were really a top flight prospect, he might be bringing in five, six million dollars. Well, I, I think so, from what I'm reading, the reason is because he just yeah. defected from Cuba now, and he—it's not something I guess he could have done before. So, I, oh, it's, I, a ti- it's a timing. I think thing. it's a okay. timing thing. That's kind of what I'm what I'm gathering, and it's, it well, sounded like the Astros. Well, look, I, I love the fact that he struck out just six yeah, times, yeah. and I'm gonna guess if he struck out just six times. He might have walked 30 or 40, times, you know, um, I'll check on which that, would yeah. be absolutely unbelievable, you know, to have a guy who has the reverse numbers there in strikeouts and walks. You know, usually if, if you get a guy who strikes out 150 times in a season, that's not good. But if he walks 90 or 100 times, that's pretty damn good. And you very rarely get a hitter that strikes out less than he walks, no matter right. who the hitter is. But... That's that's impressive, and to hear that he's got this incredible swing yeah. uh, makes me want to go do some more research on him, and and can't wait to see what he uh, has to offer. So for the, for the Cuban national team, his lifetime batting average is three seventy, uh, and his lifetime on base percentage is four forty three. So for all intents that's, and purposes, that's pretty. That's pretty damn impressive numbers, yes. no matter what level of ball you're playing. Yeah. You know, I also wanted to. Mention I wish I could have hit those numbers in my Sunday softball league. You know, <laughs> you it, it's, it sounds like the Astros were very close to signing him and around for a two million dollar bonus. That's what I'm reading. So it sounds right. like the Orioles got him now because he defected later at a much cheaper price. That seems to be okay. okay. But the, the information is kind well, of that's scattered. That's a good explanation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I th- but I think it's, the age it's interesting is... to to wonder why he would want. That that could be the personal relationship that um, what's his name? Uh, our, Kobe Perez. Our, Kobe Perez. What's it? Are you talking about Kobe Perez? Kobe Perez. Yeah. yeah. And that a lot of this, the signings down there, and Mike explained that when he was hired and made it clear that he was going to fish in that pool. That a lot of this is relationship driven, and now the Orioles have been down there, you know, uh, and are known a known entity for four and five years. Uh, you know, three years actually. You know, three to four years. Um, this is some of the fruits of that labor, and a lot of that labor is relationship driven. 
There's also one more guy, actually, that the Orioles are expected to sign on the MLB Pipeline Top 50 International Prospects. That's Leandro Arias. Uh, he's a 16-year-old okay. shortstop. He's 6'1", 170. Um, he seems to have some pretty good tools. They have you know, Pipeline has him at 50 hit tool, 55 power, 50 run, 50 arm, 50 field, and overall 50 prospect, which I think would probably put him in the mid to low teens for the Orioles mm-hmm. in their on their top 30 prospect rankings. And, um, and he's I, how old? He's how old? He's 16? 16, yeah. And he's yeah. not a guy that uh, is, is probably going to get a huge bonus, but he's in that top 50 yep. as well for Pipeline. Yep. Yeah, well, it, again, these are sort of wild cards in a way. Yeah, and, definitely. and by that, I don't mean they're just lottery tickets. I mean, Mike isn't putting out that kind of money for just anybody, but he's picking his spots and... It would not surprise me if two of these three players one day play in the major leagues. And, you know, again, I say the major leagues rather than for the Orioles. One of the things you you hope to do is when you get a, you know, a young player makes the major leagues and you know you've got him under control for five years, if suddenly this, this guy Braylon uh, Tavera really is that good and he's 18 or 19, but he's not just ready for the majors for another two and you have a guy that's playing let's say it's Gunnar Henderson is our shortstop I'm just throwing that out and we know we're going to have him for six more years well it doesn't do you a lot of good to, to have three and four shortstops right. you know you're going to move one of them you're either move him in a trade move him to second base move Gunnar Henderson to the third but but again you've got these pieces in place they're like a chessboard, and you're able to move and make some, you know, if we need outfielders, maybe you trade one of them for an outfielder or you trade for a pitcher. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a nice problem to have. And that, you know, it, it what's, what's unfortunate is it does take these kids a while, but it'll be interesting to see, like, the two kids we got in the uh, Andrew Kashner deal. You know, yeah. they've been, they're, they're now 18 rather than 16 or 19 rather than 17. You know, when they're 21, it'll be interesting to see how many of these players come to fruition with a chance to help your ball club directly or indirectly. Well, and 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 that's how you build a perennial contender. Is yeah, you know, when when these guys, when the Braylon Taveras of the world are ready to make their major league debut, you're hopefully already competitive, and they're just another guy coming up through the pipeline. Right. And that's that's the whole point of this. So it's certainly exciting to yep. see. It's something that the Orioles were long overdue to get into, and I'm so happy that under Elias, this is one of the things that he said he really wanted to stress importance yeah. over, and he yeah. has. And, it's and been, he has. There's no question about it. it he it, deserves it, to be. You know, you got to give credit where credit is due, and uh, he deserves credit for that. Absolutely. It's almost impossible to operate as a team these days without dipping your foot into this market because it's so yep. important. And you look at the stars across the league, whether it's Juan Soto or Tatis or whoever it is. You know, even Vladimir Guerrero, Wander Franco, all of these guys are, you know, some of the best players in the league. And that's where it's coming from—the international. Well, I, so I was told about three, four years ago that at that time, uh, and I'm trying to remember who mentioned this figure to me. It was definitely a baseball person. There, there. I, I think it was Dan Dan O'Dowd mentioned to me that you know twenty five percent of the league now is Latin American, and yeah. and of of the star players in Major League Baseball, he uh, this is the figure he cited to me. It was about forty percent of the star players were of Latin 
you know, heritage. Uh, and the Orioles at that time, you know, were diddle-dallying around with who was the guy that was at outfielder for a couple of years, and then he, then he tried to become a pitcher. I mean, it was a guy we signed for oh. like 300000 you know. Um, and for three years, we were told how great a prospect this was. And the Orioles were basically trying to get better. This is during the Duquette years without firing one shot in in the Latin market, you know. Yeah, he came and up it wasn't he... Dan. It wasn't Dan's fault. It was Peter's belief that the the whole sort of game you had to play was sort of tantamount to being in a cesspool. And I'm not denying it was a cesspool, but it's very similar to coaches in basketball that didn't want to go the AAU route. You know, there's certain things ethically that you got to sort of cut some corners. Uh, and again, it was a huge investment, and Peter chose not to make it. And he left the club uh, kind of trying to battle in the toughest division in baseball with one hand tied behind its back. Yeah, yeah, they, they they were they were so far behind in in so many different categories um, from the rest of the major league teams, and, and and you know it's it's refreshing. And, and I got to say, not not to I'm not defending Peter on this. This goes back to when Edward Bennett Williams owned the team, and Larry and Eli Jacobs before Peter came into the picture. The Orioles have historically done a horrid job at being in that in that battle for Latin American players. Absolutely. And the player that you were thinking of was Dariel Alvarez. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a... Yeah. Dariel yep. Alvarez was, like, that's yep. a can't-miss pro- outfield prospect who tried to become a yep. pitcher. He when... came up in the early 2010s for, like, six games for the Orioles. It, it, and it was he... 2016. 20... Oh, that wasn't... Okay, that yeah, was not it, long ago. It, it, okay. was, it was 2016. I, re- I remember him. I, I was thinking 2012. Name, so. he, was, I, yeah. he, was, he was not not much. You know, yeah, not, not, not what much. we expect him to be. I remember talking and to then, And then they said, well, we're going to try him as a pitcher... And he almost like immediately, I think like in his first inning or something, tore his rotator cuff yep. or needed Tommy John surgery or something, and we never heard of him again. Yeah, yeah no, I, absolutely. It's it's a. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see Michael Elias is doing the things he said he was going to do, and so it makes me excited for the future because he's backed up everything to this point, with the yep. exception of the product on the major league field, and hopefully that's coming sooner rather than later. Also, what's hopefully coming sooner rather than later, Stan, is a new collective bargaining agreement, and from what we've heard, they haven't the two sides haven't met since December first when they met for like seven minutes and just walked out the door. Um, people are getting antsy because we we knew it was going to be quiet through the holiday season. But now the holidays are over, and you're still hearing nothing. We're only a week in to the new year. I read an article by Evan Drellich today where he said that he talked to people who were uh, anonymous sources that were part of the NBA lockout back in 2011. And basically what happens is nothing gets done until the players are under the gun when, they, when there's a threat that they're going to miss out on some paychecks. What is your level of concern for the Major League Baseball season getting off uh, on time? Uh, I would say my level is starting to, you know, go from a slow, you know, it's like a pot of water and you've got it on low and it starts to bubble, meaning it's, 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 you know, it's heating up, it's about to boil. And I think we're at that point, you know, within the next 10, 12 days that it starts to go from very low boil to a medium boil because, what you start to talk about, if they don't have an agreement by, say, January 21st, 22nd, you start to really bump up against the start of spring training 
And that's not the key point for players and owners. They're not losing significant amount, amounts of money because of the cost of putting on spring training. But it really starts to play a mind game with the fans. You know? yeah. And then you wonder if they're not done then, what the hell is it going to take to be done? And uh, we had Mike Devereaux on our Zoom the other night, uh, Ross and I. Uh, we talked to him because he played through the, uh, you know, the lockout in uh, in '91. Uh, I think it was a brief lockout, and then a strike in '94, and 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 slowed the start of the '95 season. So to me, it's preposterous that they haven't sat down to talk about some of these core economic issues. You read that the that MLB, you know, they're, they are working on some new proposals and ideas to bring to the table. But, uh, you know, I think, frankly, they missed a huge opportunity during the holidays to, to actually strike a deal and sort of put it out in the public that, hey, this is, this is our, our industry's Christmas gift to people, you know, that we're, we got this thing settled or we agreed to kick it one year down the road, you know. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of which, I know this wasn't in, in the notes that I sent you, but um, is there a chance that a, a, an independent arbiter can come can uh, can come in and say, "Look, we're just going to extend the, the the old CBA for another year and try and hammer this out um, within well, the next year"? Well, there there is there is that possibility, albeit a very slight one, because somebody would have to bring that idea to the table. And then they both sides would have to agree to sort of let an independent arbiter, you know, do it. But that is one way to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. But both sides would be acknowledging that they're giving up some power uh, over the long haul, that they admit that we're sort of in, at a stumbling block. You know, we're, we're at loggerheads and we need somebody to come in here and sort some things out. And it's it's just highly unlikely that both sides want to give up that kind of control. But frankly, that's what's needed because yeah. these 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 leaders, Tony Clark and uh, Rob Manfred, have a deep distaste for one another. And it's it's frankly probably part of partly personal at this point in time. Yeah, it's it's crazy that there's just no wiggle room on either side at this point. Now you bring up Rob Manfred, and man, I I have I don't know that maybe Roger Goodell, but Rob Manfred is just wholly unliked by just about everybody. Um, Ken Rosenthal's contract not renewed by MLB Network, reportedly at least in part because he was critical of Rob Manfred's handling of COVID. Now look, nobody's nobody's crying for Ken Rosenthal because he's still. He still has a lot of work. He's still with the athletic. He still he just yep. got purchased by the New York by the New York Times, I believe it was. Um, yep, for five hundred and fifty million dollars. Right, and and he's still going to be working for Fox Sports. So you're still going to see him all the time. He's still the, the leading guy. He's like the Adam Shafter of Major League Baseball. But what does it say about Mob, Rob Manfred and the and the owners arguing um, the owner side of things that he would be so petty as to let go maybe the most. The, the best reporter in baseball over him being critical of him. Uh, this is a very, very weak look for the commissioner. And it's clear that there was a, you know, that there was a cause and effect here. Uh, and that effect was that he was critical of Rob Manfred or he, or he was honest in telling the story about what's going on. Manfred took offense to it. 
and they discontinued his contract. And as you say, he is, I mean, there's five to eight guys, Gammons being the old school, you know, the oldest of them, but there's Jason Stark, there's, you know, and Ken is right there with them at the top, top of the game. And he's a great storyteller for the public, and he has great credibility with the public. And uh, it's a shame that they are so petty. First of all, they're not really silencing him. I mean, he's still going to have quite a, you know, a spectacular perch uh, being on, you know, on uh, with the athletic, and who knows who else might add him. ESPN could add him. Somebody else could add him. Uh, but uh, it's just a, it, it's really smacks of somebody that is really, really weak. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think it's a bad look, and uh, I, I, I think he may be, uh, he may be done as far as commissioner once his his current contract uh, expires. But we'll see that in the future and talk about that. That generally ends up being uh, all about money. Yeah. You know, not about public perception, but he is a very unpopular commissioner with the baseball fans. Ab- no question. Absolutely. Now, Stan, before we let you go, a little bit of a fun thing here. I made a bold prediction on New Year's Day that the Blue Jays will at least be in the World Series in 2022. What is your bold prediction for the 2022 Major League Baseball season? Wow, that's a that's a darn darn good question. Um, that that the that the best division in baseball might be the American League Central division. Yeah, I, you know, I, with with an improving Tigers team, Terry Francona will be back, and the Indians will be decent, and Kansas City's getting a little bit better. I don't think the Twins are close yet to getting back to contention. But then again, you've got the White Sox. So you've got four teams in that division that figure to be pretty darn good. So that I guess that's my bold prediction. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not ready to say the Mets are going to win the World Series, but I think they will, they will make the playoffs. And if DeGrom and Scherzer both start, say, 28 times or more this year, both of them, uh, the Mets are going to be very, very difficult to beat. But until I know more about DeGrom's condition, I wouldn't predict. Because if he's not healthy at the start of the season, then all bets are off whether they have enough pitching to win. But Buck Showalter will bring accountability, and he will be a difference maker there. And I'll tell you what, he managed to find a way to win in Baltimore without very much starting pitching. So I have faith that he can do that in New York. Stan, My, my my one real quick, my one quick thing would be, and it probably won't happen because they made so many signings. Don't be surprised if one day in, in the next 14, 15 months that the New York Mets don't have Adam Jones either on the team as a player or starting a coaching career. I, I would imagine be closer to the to the latter at, at this closer point. to the latter. But you know, uh, you know, the Phillies gave that idiotic contract to Andrew McCutcheon, who didn't, uh, you know. Uh, pan out, you know, with what he should have accomplished for what they were paying him. Yeah. Adam Jones could still help a major league team right now. Uh-huh. Not as an everyday player, but somebody, and also being a clubhouse leader for Buck Show Walter. No, I, I, I believe just a thought. No, Stan, it's, it's a great thought. Thank you so much, Stan, for joining us. Happy All right, guys. Happy Look forward to talking birthday. to you. Yep. And we will Thanks. all talk to you next week. By the way, Ben McDonald, Monday night. Ben McDonald, Monday night. Awesome. Thank you all so right. much, Stan. Bye. 
All right, that was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Orioles legend and uh, Glenn Clark favorite Mike Devereaux, while Stan and Gary chatted with Maryland football legend and radio analyst Steve Souter. Find that show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash video. As Stan just alluded to, coming up on Monday, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross have a conversation with Orioles broadcaster and former pitcher Ben McDonald. The bat around today brought to you by um, Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport when self-service kiosk, with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Catching a break when we come back. John Mioli will join the program. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org need to hone your computer skills to boost your career or maybe you want an it certification ccbc continuing education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field and it's all tuition free from the basics to specialized training we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity, and so much more it's your choice it's your career Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Oh, uh, thank you. Very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mount Castle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Coach Mark Turgeon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, welcome back to the Bataround. First hour is in the books. The second hour of the Bataround is brought to you by the latest issue of Press Box, which is available now, and it is our very special annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now, I guess now formally, of the Baltimore Sun. He is the one and only John Mealy. John, thanks for taking a few minutes for us this morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, John, uh, pretty uneventful holiday season for you. Nothing life-changing at all, right? Yeah, no, yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, no, it was, it was, it was pretty quiet. And then, uh, you know, and then I, you know, let the world know what I'd known for a long time, that my time at the Baltimore Sun was, was, was coming to an end. And it kind of turned into a little bit of a whirlwind. I, um, you know, it was a bittersweet. It was a bittersweet decision, but it was something that I, you know, I felt like I need to do for my family. Between, uh, you know, having a having a one year old daughter and and you know wanting to be around for for her and my family that doesn't really jive with a baseball lifestyle. So so I, so I made the jump. I took a I took her, you know, a nine to five job, and and I'm gonna hopefully be able to stay in touch covering the Orioles uh, uh, through a new newsletter I'm doing. Yeah, you and I spoke about about this possibility about a year and a half ago. So it certainly has been in the works. Um, so, and we understand why you made the move. What made you make it specifically now rather than at another time? Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that truthfully the, the pandemic and, and everything that, that impacted my you know job and how I do work on a daily basis kind of bought some time uh, on this front. Um, if, if we're being honest, you know, it used to be home games. You have to get to Camden Yards. And, and let me preface this by saying that, like anyone who's listening to this, would probably trade jobs with me in a heartbeat. And I understand how fortunate I was, and I enjoyed every second of of covering the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. It was, you know, it was the best work anyone could possibly do. But you know, lifestyle-wise, it's it, it can be challenging to be away for as long as required during spring training, travel during the season. Uh, you know, get to the ballpark at three when the team's home, and and leave, you know, an hour after the game ends. Um, on those days, you know. The, the pandemic and all the COVID related restrictions kind of severely limited access and made it so that, you know, a lot of times you weren't getting to the ballpark until, you know, seven o'clock when there was no in-person access and then you're just right in the game and, and you're kind of trying to figure out ways to do it um, without being there and, and having your feet on the ground. So, so I think that allowed a little bit of time to, you know, to kind of, to kind of extend my window of being able to do this, but, you know, with the idea of, possibly being back in spring training full-time um, and back on the road and, and, and kind of doing all this with, you know, daycare pickups and, and trying to balance a family. It was just, it, it didn't seem like it was going to be tenable for me. So I, so I decided to make a move. 
Yeah, and the move makes sense, and I'm, I'm happy that you were able to do it, and you're doing what's best for your family. I think that's the most important thing. Now, with your new 9-to-5, is, is it keeping you – I know that you're going to be doing your maximizing playoff odds, and we're going to talk that, about that in a little bit. We're not trying to get too personal, so you don't have to tell us what you're doing, um, but does it give you an opportunity to, to still write for a living? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a writing job at, at a uh, at a financial company. You know, when they when you study, you know, communications writing, anything like that in college, they tell you <clears throat> if you can write, you could do it anywhere. And and when you're when you're 20 years old and you think about jobs that will pay you to write, uh, you know, I wasn't, I guess, terribly creative at the time, and I decided uh, to go work at a newspaper. <laughs> um, and, and, and and thinking about that as I was making the change, I thought that. You know, you kind of see all the variety of different, you know, places and institutions that need people to write. So, so I'm I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to be able to kind of learn learn a new field that, and you know, and, and bring you know, you bring what it takes to cover you know a baseball team and all the volume of writing and the and the deadline work and all that stuff to to a, to a different industry. Well, yeah, and I think that certainly will help you be successful at what you're doing now because you have that deadline experience, and it may even make it a little bit easier for you. I'm, I'm wishing you the best of uh, luck and best of success in your new field. Now, tell us a little bit about maximizing playoff odds because you're still going to be covering the Orioles, just not the way that you work, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 you know, even, you know, even as far back as like, you know, the summer when the Baltimore Sun was offering buyouts, I was thinking about ways to stay in the mix uh, if I was going to leave then. And, and, you know, these newsletters are becoming pretty popular. So I, so I thought that, I thought that, you know, it might be an option to do it, to do something like that. Now you get to keep your um, Baseball Writers of America card um, for the first for the first year as an at-large member. So, you know, in-person access at Camden Yards wouldn't be restricted this year, you know great relationship with all the people at all the minor league affiliates. And that's where the stories I like to tell are anyways. So, so I'm pretty confident that, you know, I'll be able to go to those games and be able to do some of the things I was doing there uh, pretty, pretty easily. And, and truthfully, you know, you know, just like the Orioles, you know, have analytics to tell them, to tell them everything the Baltimore Sun did too. And I knew what stories people wanted to read. I knew what stories did well. Uh, and, and I, and I thought that, and I thought that there was an opportunity if I wanted to write something a couple times a week, you know, the types of ideas that, that I enjoyed writing and the types of angles I enjoyed exploring and the types of stories I, I liked reporting and learning about, you know, those, those, there was an audience and there was a way to do that where it wasn't, you know, where it didn't, I didn't need to be at the ballpark for, for eight hours a day or, or taking 6am flights to Cleveland. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. I could, I could kind of do it on the side. I'm not sure how it's going to look, you know, once the season starts or even really once my new job starts, but, 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 there was a lot of times in the last couple of years where, you know, I would just, you know, sit down at seven o'clock and need to figure out something to write. And it wouldn't have anything to do with what Brandon Hyde said on zoom or, or what the Orioles did that night or the night before it would just be kind of, you know, what matters in that moment. And, and, you know, I was able to do that pretty, pretty uh, successfully. I thought, and I think that I'll be able to do that even even as I'm dedicating a lot of my time to 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 a, to a real person job as well. Yeah, man, and honestly, I think you're going to be successful with it because you you've you can ask around town. People know who John Mioli is as far as being a beat writer for the Baltimore Orioles. You've been at the top of the field in this particular area doing it for 6 years now. So the fact that it's going to be less, I think people are going to be even more inclined to read your stuff because they're getting so they're getting less of it. So um I'm excited to read what you have uh and see how you view the uh, rebuild going forward. Of course, we can't really do much of anything without a new CBA. 
uh, and th- th- it's reported that the sides haven't even met since December 1st. What's your level of concern for a new collective bargaining agreement? Um, and how do, how do you uh, view the season as it stands right now? Are we going to get off on time, or do you see a delay coming? Uh, um, I, I think that I think that until there's actually you know something missed and there's something you know there's something tangible that hasn't happened, it's hard to say that you you would expect a delay to happen. But I think that you know I think this is just really bad for the game. I think this is bad for for both sides, and and it's more bad for the owners. I, I would you know I think I can make that clear. Um, you know I think I think the outcome could be that the players suffer more because people um, you know people human nature for some reason is to blame, you know, millionaire players over billionaire owners. Uh, and there's, and, and I feel like once it's time to be playing baseball, whether it's going down to spring training, God forbid, if it's when, when games are supposed to start uh, it, at the end of March, beginning of April, once it's time to play baseball, people aren't going to care that the, you know, that the owners are, are trying to increase the, revenue pool to the players by like 3% when their revenues have gone up like, you know, tenfold over the last couple of years. Players, you know, people won't care about that. They're just going to care that the players aren't playing baseball the way they want them to. And I think that my concern isn't necessarily for the games missed. My concern is just that is just that the eventual clamor for baseball to come back will will take will take some of the impetus away for the players to hold out for what they deserve. And I think that this is going to be really important for the future of the game. And I think that the players should you know, the players should get a couple big wins on the board in this process if if, if this game's going to be healthy going forward. Yeah, it seems like anytime any of these situations happen, the the players kind of end up getting screwed in the long run. Um, the, these things have tend to work out in the owner's favor in the past. So I, I I am of the mindset, like you said, that it seems to be millionaires fighting with billionaires over over money. But I do think that the players need a win here for the for the sanctity of the game. Now. Uh, nobody can say anything with any certainty about what's happening with this CBA, but it could directly impact the 2022 Baltimore Orioles. Uh, what is your inclination regarding the draft? Do you think the Orioles will still be picking first overall in July? Because it seems like the only thing that both sides are on the same page with is the fact that they want to do something to eliminate tanking, and that could be affecting draft order. Do you think the Orioles still have that number one overall pick in 2022? You know, until it's codified and solidified as such, I, I, w- I would say that I would say that that's probably something that could that they will that they will have. I think it would be, I think it would be a difficult sell for, you know, league to swallow, even if they're going to change the draft order and how that's determined moving forward to retroactively punish, you know, the Orioles. Even though I'm sure there are people who would want to do that, I think that I think that doing that retroactively would be a little, a little. Egregious. I would. I, I guess that's not. I don't think that's a perfect word, but I think it would just be a little bit. You know, it'd be walking across the street to just to punch somebody in the face, as opposed to just staying on your side of the street and walking by him. Um, I, I don't know. I don't no think point. there will be any. I, I don't think there would be any. Um, you know, I don't think there would be any retroactive things that would impact the Orioles. But I do think that if the system doesn't encourage them to lose, you know, a hundred something games next year to get a good draft pick, then they might not. You know, this is a team they showed by signing Jordan Miles lockout that there's a little money to spend um i don't think there's going to be a lot of money to spend i don't think they're really in a position to know what what the big ticket item they would need or, or would be best fitting for them is given they don't really know exactly what the composition of this contending team is going to be but i think that there's room definitely to to do that and to to spend a little money and make it so that the team could be a little more competitive but 
you know, in, in my past life as the Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun, people would ask me, you know, when they're going to be good. And I would ask him for a number. And I would say, how many more games do you think it would be good if they won this year? And they would say 20. And I'd say, okay, that's still not a 500 team. Like it, it, it's a, it's a big improvement that they'll have to get to, to be competitive. But, but I think if the system is, I think if the system is slanted towards them competing, then they might do it. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult sell for fans, certainly. Um, to have to look at this, the potential of this team being bad again, and that's that's probably what's going to happen. I, they're not going to win 81 games this coming season. That's just we just have to look at that with stark reality. Um, but the talk of the town is going to be Adley Rutschman, um, and there's talk he should be the Orioles' opening day catcher, and I think that we can all agree on on that. Uh, however service time manipulation being what it is, and the Orioles can't come right out and say that that's what they're doing because that's not allowed. Um, do you see the service time manipulation topic being addressed in the new CBA, and how will it affect Adley Rutschman? Um, I think I think that it, it, it could be. I think that the owners are, you know, I, I read, I believe it was Jeff Pass in the ESPN, said that the owners, um, you know, when they were having their last gas negotiations, which everyone knew weren't going to go anywhere, but but when they met for seven minutes in Texas before the before the lockout was imposed, that the owners, you know, stipulation was that they could talk about anything as long as free agency and and club control didn't change. And the players obviously said that's ridiculous. We're not doing that. So I think that's kind of a an early sign that the league is going to try to hold firm on that. Mm-hmm. Now some of the proposals that they've made haven't really changed too much. You know, when it would be worthwhile for the Orioles to call up an Adley Rutschman or or how his career could change based on service time and free agency and all that stuff. So it's hard to say, but I think it's I think it's clear that, you know, based on talent right now in the catchers they have in the organization. If, if, if this was done on merit, which everyone knows the circumstances that make it so it is not, but if it's done on merit, then Adley Rutschman would be, would be catching for the Orioles on opening day. And, and we'd be able to, we'd be able to see what that looks like really quickly. Now let's say that the Orioles leave him down in triple. If the season were to start on time and the Orioles leave him down in triple and they say, well, he just needs a little bit more seasoning. Well, on the other side of things, if the season is delayed, and say the minor leagues are going to are going to go off on time, say Adley Rutschman is down there for three to four weeks before the major league season starts, and he's tearing the cover off the ball and playing great defense and throwing out forty percent of base stealers, um, do the, when the major league season does eventually start, what can the Orioles really say? What can they say? Would they still leave him down there? Is it like, well, now our hands are tied. We have to start him on the opening day team. Yeah, and, and I think that would I think I think how service time is kind of prorated and how how that's how that's kind of doled out and and would would have a lot to do with that. But we're talking about a player when when you know everyone knows that there's not really a lot of baseball validity often to to these arguments. But you hear about oh so and so needs to go down and work on his plate discipline. He needs a few more weeks of of work and walks in AAA, or he needs to improve his defense. Like that's not really something that anyone would believe for a half second when we're talking about Adley Rutschman. So, mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, I think that there's a world where that could happen, where he, if there's baseball happening, that's not in the big leagues early where he forces the issue. I think, you know, if, if I were him, I would, you know, play lights out in spring training and fi- try to force the issue there and, right. and, and, and just see what happens. But, but I, but I think that, I think that, you know, it shouldn't be incumbent on the player to go out there and play well so that they have no choice. But, but that is the one option to, to make all this kind of relevant. Yeah, no, that, that, that's that's an excellent point. And finally, the Orioles, um, the Orioles are 
primed to make another big splash in the free agent market, and uh, they're going to offer uh, reportedly about to offer 1.5 to 2 million dollars to um, 16-year-old Dominican center fielder uh, Braylon Tavera. Uh, but the guy I want to talk about briefly with you is Cesar Prieto, who's a 22-year-old Cuban defector playing. Um, He's a middle infielder, arguably the best hitter in Cuba. Uh, set a couple of records uh, down there with that team. But he's 22 years old. Are we worried at all that he's older for a prospect? Is his major league timeline sooner rather than later because of his age? Or do you not just not don't know that much about the player, which is certainly fine? Yeah, no, I, 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 saw, I, saw, all those, I saw all those reports coming out that the Orioles were, were in position to sign him. I didn't. You know, I didn't do any ex- exploration other than that. I was at the movies last night. <laughs> um, What'd you but, see? But, but I, but I uh, we saw Licorice Pizza. Oh, okay, okay. That's a Bradley Cooper good. movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Got a little it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. You know, I, if people want, if people like movies where like it's it's like fun to watch, but it's hard to tell like what's actually happened. Not <laughs> or it's not hard to tell. Fun to watch, but like stuff's not exactly happening. Like. I don't mind movies like that, so it was fine. But my wife fell asleep. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so I saw all that stuff. I, I think that I think that it doesn't. You know, it's not like the Orioles would be spending that money in a different way, other than signing this guy who can clearly hit. Um, I saw somewhere that he he's more of like a contact type hitter. Doesn't doesn't strike out at all. Um, can work walks. Can can put the ball in play, and that's the Orioles kind of mo right now. Excuse me. Going back to to last year's draft, they wanted they sent their scouts out looking for guys like that because they believe that the hitting program they're building can bring the power out of guys like that without sacrificing too much of that contact ability. So it makes a ton of sense um, when you, when you're signing players in the international market. It's all about just adding talent, adding talent, adding talent, and see what happens. Um, these are the types of players too that that can be trade chips when they're ready to be good and and go out there and, and get a couple starting pitchers on the trade market. These are the types of players that. That can be, you know, A, B pieces in a deal. So you do that and you bring them in. And that, when you look at it that way, you know, $750,000 for a player that that can get you maybe like a, a a mid to top tier starter is not is not something that you worry about right now. Fair enough, fair enough. John, great stuff as always. Thank you so much for taking some time on your Saturday morning to talk with us. Hey, look, man, best of luck to you. I uh, wish you nothing but success uh, as you move forward in your in your life and with your family. Uh, and hopefully we'll get another chance to talk to you a few times this, uh, this coming season, all right? Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a great one. Right. You too. Bye. That was John Mioli joining us, uh, formerly of the Baltimore Sun. Now he's going to be doing his Orioles newsletter a few times a week, maximizing playoff odds. I've already read a couple of a uh, couple of articles that he's put out there. He's he's John Mioli. He's he's very good. You know what I mean? And like I said, he and I we um very John, very 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 good at what he does. Yeah, extremely good. Yeah, and and John came out uh, came out and played some golf with me during during the lockout. And he told me about these plans, and mm-hmm. not that, not to say that I'm a John Mioli insider, but I remember <laughs> I remember specifically having the conversation. We were on the 14th hole when he said this to me, mm-hmm. because it, it caught me off guard. I'm like, John Mioli's thinking about not covering the Orioles anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's just when I when I got married, I said some things like, "Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that to ensure." my family and then sometimes that stuff doesn't work out so so you take it at face value when somebody says that i'm glad that he followed through because i think it's important that you put family first and that's clearly what 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 john is doing uh, i'm proud of him for doing that i'm i'm excited for his future and he's still going to be writing about the orioles yep. and it's going to be that much more in demand because it's not going to be every day 
Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, so, I'm looking forward to that for sure. He, yeah. I'm, I'm going to miss his Baltimore Sun coverage. Yeah. But we're still going to hear from him and we'll still have him on the show. Definitely. Um, so we look forward to that in the future. Uh, before we catch another break, I just want to let you know that our show is also brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy Sports. We can bet on sports in Maryland brick-and-mortar style, but we can't bet online on our phones yet. Hopefully that's coming in the future. However, you can feel like you're betting totally legally and right on your phone by playing underdog fantasy football. Player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are all available, and we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX, and whatever you download up to $100, we will match. That's right up to $100 when you use the code PRESSBOX with Underdog Fantasy Football. When we come back, we're going to talk. Zach's going to sound off a little bit. We're going to give our top 10 moments um, of the Orioles 2021 season. That and more next on The Battle Round. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The latest issue of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
There's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as the Batarounds' own Paul Valley took over as the show's co-captain. The show remains the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with former Raven, Adelius Thomas, Laurent McLean, Quadre Ismail, and Gary Baxter. Plus Maryland Athletic Director Damon Evans, CB- CBS Play-By-Play Man Ian Eagle, and more. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark and Radio Weekend Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. Very good, Zach. Very good uh, indeed. Um, we are back here live on the Batteron. Feels so good to be back in here mm, talking definitely. talking some baseball. And we're going to get to Orioles banter here in a minute. Uh, where we're going to do our top ten uh, moments from the twenty moments or, and storylines from the twenty twenty one season. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, Zach, you actually want to sound off on something that does regard the Orioles right now. Yeah, it's actually rare I, I do one with the Orioles because we cover a lot of their news. Yeah. And, th- and this one wasn't a big piece of news. It was tweeted out by Dan Connolly yesterday of The Athletic that Gunnar Henderson has changed uh, his agency to Scott Boris, the, the best. Scott Boris is the guy when it comes to agency. Everyone in, in sports knows who Scott Boris is. He is the guy who gets what he wants, and he's very, very, very good at his job. He's, he's, he's the John Mioli of agency, if you want to put it like that. He, he, he's the guy. And Boy, we are really hyping John yeah, Mioli well, he's on the great. show today. Yeah, I'm going to miss him. Um, but yeah, Boris is a guy who gets the best for his clients, and he has some of the top clients. He, he's had Chris Davis, Zach Britton, um, a lot of former Orioles in the past, but he also has some of the top clients in the game today, and he gets them top dollar. He always does. He's known for getting his guys top dollar and being this great negotiator, this guy who will just you know figure out a way to get more money out of teams, and he just does this time and time again. So Gunnar Henderson, obviously one of the top prospects in the Orioles organization. We've covered him in depth on the show. He's a guy that's probably going to be the future at shortstop or third base for the Orioles. He's a guy that is going to mean a lot to their upcoming playoff teams, we hope at least. And he's a guy that, you know, if he's good enough, the Orioles are probably going to want to buy out his arbitration years and extend him. Um, you look at Rutschman as a candidate for that. You look at Gunnar Henderson as a prime candidate for that. I, I don't know if as Orioles fans we should be concerned because I've seen some concern going around on Twitter. Uh-oh, like, you know, they're not going to be able to extend Gunnar Henderson if he if he's too good and, and Scott Boris is going to get all this money for him. And they might be right. I don't know whether or not to be concerned about this. And that's I'm almost in the middle here on my sounding off of what to sound off on because I'm not sure if we should, be sh- we should be concerned or not because Scott Boris is very, very good at his job, as I mentioned. And I have no doubt that he'll get a lot of money for Gunnar Henderson. But I also wonder... You know just exactly how the the Angelos's um, you know relationship with with Scott Boris is. I have to imagine it's pretty decent. They've had a lot of conversation over the past few years about Chris Davis, so they have to know each other pretty well. I don't know whether to be concerned. I'm probably leaning towards not being concerned, but you know Scott Boris does kind of scare me. And and Scott Boris is is uh, is the agent for Juan Soto. He's negotiating him this massive contract at the moment. It just when you're good. Scott Boris is going to to string these teams along and get as much money out of them as possible. Yeah, the, the way I look at it, I'm not concerned right now because that's so far off in the True. distance. Yeah. Um, and the way I look at it is Scott Boris has an eye for talent. He does. So it tells us that what we're seeing and what we're hearing about Gunnar Henderson is mm-hmm. real. No, definitely. Right? definitely. Th- th- he's going to be a player. Yes. Right? Um, Scott so, Boris so, is not signing some random guy. Yeah, so that, that has me excited. Um, ask me in five years. Yeah. You know, or yeah. in or in three to four years, mm-hmm. even maybe even two to three years. Uh, how how I feel about Wh- whenever this. the negotiations get underway, right? Of an extension. And, and and you look at the Orioles are kind of modeling the Astros, yeah. right? And they you Seems look at you look at Carlos Correa, and he's not 
continuing his career with the Houston Astros unless they come out of the woodwork with a contract that makes sense for, for Carlos Correa. Right. So do you milk everything you can out of Gunnar Henderson and try to win as many world championships as you can with him and then let him go the way of Carlos Correa? Or do you extend him like the Rays did with Wander Franco? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know that Scott Boris would be willing to do that unless Gunnar was like, look, if they're willing to give me 10 years, hundred and uh, t- 10 years, 220 million sure. right now, then let's do this. Right. Uh, I-, I don't know. Uh, but right now, my level of concern isn't very high just because it's it's so far off in the future. Let's get him Agreed. here. Let's get him playing. And once he proves that he deserves that kind of money, mm-hmm. then then we'll talk about my level of concern. But I I, I totally understand. I love the, the topic. I totally understand where you're coming from. But more so for me, it's excitement that if Scott Boris is willing to sign this guy, then you know that he's going to be a player. I'm with you on that 100%. And I'm not really concerned at this moment. Like you said, three, four years, I think that's the time to be concerned. But I've seen a lot of Orioles fans discussing this. And, and just because Boris is a big name. And Boris is, again, the guy. He is the agent, the one that will get you the most money. And that's why that's why it's a discussion piece, really. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Nice. <laughs> Uh-oh. Out of left field. Uh-oh. Yeah, just, just have something just like sneak up on you. Yeah, that's what, that's yeah. literally what just happened. All right. Orioles banter, top 10 moments of 2021. Orioles banter is brought to you today by Press Box's Project Game Day, and it is the destination at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Then you tune in to Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's joined post game by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Rita joins Glenn tomorrow for the Pittsburgh Baltimore season finale. Hopefully, and we're we're living on a prayer Bon Jovi style here. Hopefully, it's not the last pre- last project game day of the, uh, well. of the season, but things don't look good. You can watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio. Pre- Pressbox is project game day every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Underdog Fantasy Football. So, obviously, we're going in reverse order here. Yes. We're going to start with your number 10, and, we're gonna, and you're going to go first. I'm not sure I follow the rules here, but we'll see. We'll see. The rules were a little loose because when you say moment, I don't know exactly what that means. Well, that's means, why I said moment <laughs> or storyline. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Moment perfect, or storyline. Then I, I, so, d- so I we did can follow cover the rules. our bases there. Okay, cool. So number ten for me, the retirement of Chris Davis. That is oh, my number ten moment. Oh, that's a good moment. one. That's not in mine. That's a great one. I didn't even think about it. I mean, it just I, – I, I said it a lot on the show last year that I really felt like the rebuild could move forward once Davis was off the books. And I, I felt I, – I don't like to see a guy lose his job. And technically he didn't because he chose to lose his job. Yeah. But he's a guy that was just kind of bringing down the team for a long time. And it's just – I'm happy to see it finally be over. The Chris Davis retirement is my number ten. Dude, I freaking love that. I would like want to redo my list now because <laughs> that should have been in my top ten because that's that's huge. It, it was, and, and, it was. And Chris Davis, he was totally out of sight, out of mind for me when I did this list. Yeah, yeah. Because he had two at bats on February twenty eighth. Yeah. And then we never saw or heard from him again. Right. Right. And right. and then he retires, and you're like, yeah. And then you just kind of move on. Yeah. And that's what I did. I totally forgot about that. Damn, great, great start to this one, man. I'm, uh, Thank you. Yeah, uh, number ten for me was Tyler. Well- I-, I have little titles for these. Okay, okay. Uh, number ten for me was Tyler Wells spells elite. Oh, uh, Tyler Wells standing at six foot eight, two hundred fifty five pounds, was a Rule Five selection who had never pitched above Double A and hadn't pitched since twenty eighteen. Yet he became at times a shutdown reliever and is primed to set himself up to be the Orioles closer in twenty twenty two. I still think Cole Salser is going to get first crack at that job because he was the Orioles' best and most consistent reliever. But Tyler Wells looks like a piece yeah. for this team. Yeah. And, and he's a guy who hadn't pitched in three years, 
and was a Rule Five pick, mm-hmm. and he looks at that's that doesn't happen. Yeah, right. That's like Johan Santana stuff <laughs> coming from. Uh, right. uh, he's not. We're not saying he's Johan Santana, but Johan Santana was famously a Rule Five pick yep. by the Twins. That's what that like. It just doesn't happen. And for him to be potentially a big time piece for this team moving forward, I think is so huge. So that's my number ten. Okay. Uh, number nine for me, Ryan Mountcastle, homering three times in a game in June. Um, you know, he had kind of not been great as, as up to this point. You know, it's really bad April, not a great May. In June, he started to pick it up, hits three home runs. I remember exactly where I was. I was actually at Nationals Park watching a Nationals game during that. I was so at I didn't Baco get to see it live. Waiting tables. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to see it live, and I was kind of disappointed at that. But Ryan Mountcastle, three home runs. Um, you know, really significant for him because he just needed that that pickup, and he ended up hitting 33 in the year and having a great year, and really snubbed for AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, really in that top three. I don't I don't know about one, but should have been in that top three. Yeah, I was uh, waiting tables at the restaurant. I was waiting on a father son. The son had just finished playing in a baseball tournament. They were Boston Red Sox fans. Yikes! Um, <laughs> and the or uh, and I was I was waiting on them when he hit his second and his third home runs of the game. Mm-hmm. The Orioles lost that game ten to seven after they entered the ninth inning with a seven four lead. And Tyler Wells, mm, there you go, my number ten, came in and gave up six runs. So, yeah. That was not Love a uh, <laughs> not a great game, but a great moment for Ryan Mountcastle. That's yeah. Zach's number nine. My number nine. How sweep it is in Boston. Oh, I love these these titles. Look, it it meant nothing, especially when you consider the the fact that this team lost 110 games. But that opening series sweep in Boston was an awesome way to start the season, and was one of the few moments of hope that we had for this team that. Basically shut it down after the uh, John Means threw a no hitter. Then they went out and lost seven of eight, and then they won a game, and then they lost fourteen straight, and that was the season was over uh, basically by June. So uh, that was my number nine. How sweet it is in Boston. Number eight. All right, number eight for me is Mullins going five for five with two home runs. Uh, he went five for five multiple times this year, but this Twice. was right. So this was one of the ones that meant the most to me because he hit two home runs in that game. Uh, and and again, just the the brilliance of Cedric Mullins and what he can do on the baseball field was on full display in this game. Five for five with two home runs. That's about as good of a game as you can get. There, yeah. There's not many guys that can put together a better game than that. And he did again five for five multiple times. So if I I might just make this the five for five storyline for Cedric Mullins instead of the specific game. He went five for five twice this year. Yeah, the the first five third, third player by the way in, in Orioles history to do that. The 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 um is that your trivia question for me? Who the it's other not, two no. are? Okay, because I, I I saw it the other I day. I have no I, idea, and, and I can't re- <laughs> and I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, the first five for five was in Game Three of that series sweep of the Red Sox. He had three doubles in that game. He started the season off with an eleven game hitting streak, and he was uh, two for four in each of the first two games of that series. Nine hits in the first three games yeah. of the season. My number eight. Awesome Austin Hayes. He didn't stay healthy, but he played over 100 games. Played gold glove defense while showing an electric arm, and he hit 21 homers. Hayes established himself as an everyday player yep. in 2021, and with health could really take off in 2022. That's my number eight. So I have an also Austin Hayes storyline for number seven. Um, I have him delivering the hit to break the 19-game losing streak. Uh, so he, he, he didn't really break it himself. Obviously, the whole team broke it, but they came out against the Angels against Shohei Otani, and Austin Hayes put the team ahead with a double that made the game 9-6. to six. Uh, The Orioles went on to win it 10-6 to six and snapped the 19-game losing streak, one of the longest losing streaks in, in the Orioles franchise history. It might, might in have the been, history of baseball. I think it was one of the longest in the history of baseball. Like right. Top three, I think. So, Austin Hayes delivered the hit to break it. 
but again, Hayes as a storyline for the entire year was just a really good player. One of the top war on the Orioles. I think he was two or three uh, for the Orioles in, in war. So a guy that means a lot to this team. And I, to me, you know, breaking that losing streak and, and having the courage to get up there because there's not much to play for when you've lost 19 in a yeah. row. And and being able to in in late innings deliver that kind of hit was awesome to me. Yeah, that that is on my list. Um, okay, nice little primer there. My number seven, the catch. Oh, it was September. <laughs> the Orioles were crawling to the finish, and there was no reason to watch the games yet. I, w- I, and you know Zach, we were still watching. Mm-hmm. I was at dinner with my new wife. We were at um, Uncle's Tiki Bar in, okay. in Falls. And the my, my, never so heard of it. A couple of people I went to high school with own okay. and run that restaurant. Nice. Very successful. Very good restaurant. Um, so I, we were sitting there at the bar celebrating a new job that ended up not working out for me. I hated it, um, <laughs> and. I look up at the TV, and I see Gary Sanchez smoke a ball to center. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm watching Cedric drifting back. I'm like, he doesn't have a play on this. That ball's gone. And then he leaps up, and he makes this miraculous Mike Trout-esque catch. And literally all I did was go, oh, my God. Yeah. And like yeah. people like look, turned and looked at me. I said, babe, look at this. Watch this catch. This is insane. Yeah. And it was, it was a catch of the year to the point where uh, – um, What's his name? Kevin Brown said, are you kidding me? Yeah. And invented a word. He got it because he tried to say he got it (laughs) and he caught it at the same time. The catch... In a in a season where why are we still watching in September? Like this, they lost 110 games this year. This this season's freaking over. Gave me some joy and excitement for Orioles baseball in September. That was awesome. That's my number seven. Wildly good catch for number uh, for number six for me. Um, Austin Hayes walk off single uh, September sixteenth. You love Austin Hayes. I do love Austin Hayes. Uh, September sixteenth against the Yankees. The Orioles had a comeback. It was three a three two win for the Orioles. They were down the entire game. Austin Hayes walk off single. Again, September baseball means nothing for the Orioles at this point. But Austin Hayes, again, stepping up in a spot where the Orioles needed him to step up. I love beating the Yankees. Anytime you can beat the Yankees, mm-hmm. it feels great. And especially a comeback, walk-off win, love them more than anything, especially that Austin Hayes did it. Number the, six. The Orioles uh, beat the Yankees 10-6 to the game before they started their 14-game losing streak. I forgot about that. It's true. Um, also, in that game, that September 16th game, that was the day that Ryan Mountcastle hit home run number 29 to set a new Orioles mm. record. We're, we're getting to that. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number six. Oh, no, Otani. Oh, boy. Man, snapping a 19-game losing streak yeah. never felt so good. Yep. It was August 25th. Cedric Mullins and some of the players walked through every aisle, row, and section of Camden Yards with Sage and then proceeded to go out and hit three homers off Shohei Otani, something no, but no other team has ever done. He has never given up more than one home run in a start, and he gave up three to the Orioles. Mullins homered, Santander homered, and DJ Stewart, of all people, homered. Off of uh, <laughs> off of Shohei Otani. Uh, meanwhile, Otani went 0 for 4 with three Ks, and the Orioles won that game 10 to 6. I was at I was still working at 105.7 at the time. I was actually logging the game live, and it was uh, it was an awesome awesome night. Love. The Orioles actually won the next day too to take two or three from that in that series. So that was that was very cool. That was my number six. All right, more September baseball for me. September 9th, uh, 2021. The Orioles scored eight run or nine runs, excuse me, in the eighth inning against the Kansas City Royals for a comeback win. Uh, this could even have been higher up on this list, but there's a few more that I like better. But this was the most entertaining game of September. Nine runs in the eighth inning. I mean, that's just 
unheard was, of. Those I was things vlogging that game live at the station. Also, I was in my apartment and I was I was re- I didn't even feel like watching the Orioles. I I just didn't feel like it. I turned them on in like the seventh inning, and then I saw this thing happen in the eighth inning. That's all I watched of the game. It's basically this. So comes in at number five for me. Not really important, but really cool to see a team score nine runs in one inning. Yeah, and I think that what I think it came. I could be wrong about this. Maybe it was the next game that the Royals, but I think it came an inning after the the Royals scored a bunch of runs and, and took, You're right. and took yep. the lead. Yep. So it was, I remember watching it, like, are you kidding me? And then they come up in nine runs. I was like, right. wow. Like, that was cool. That was yeah. a cool game. Um, my number five, Adley and Stowers and Gunner and Westberg. Adley Rutschman became the number one prospect in baseball, slash 285, 397, 502 with 23 homers and 75 RBIs between AA and AAA. And was named co-minor league player of the year by the organization alongside Kyle Stowers, who had a farm lead in 27 homers, drove in 85 and slash 278, 383, 514 between three different levels, advancing all the way to AAA. And then there's Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg, who both started at low A Delmarva, matched their way to high Aberdeen, and then again to AA Bowie. Oh, and did I mention it was the first full pro season for all four of these prospects? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adley and Stowers are going to be here sooner than later. Westbrook could join them later this summer, and yep. Gunner could be here by early 2023. The future is bright. That's right. my number five. All right, number four for me. You already mentioned it, but Ryan Mountcastle breaking the Orioles' rookie home run record, breaking Cal Ripken's uh, 28 home runs that he hit, I believe, in 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... It's a very, very significant moment because Ryan Mountcastle has been one of the best hitters coming up through this organization for a long time. We, we waited for him for so long. It felt like forever. Then he comes up and is just the guy that we all expect him to be. Ryan Mountcastle, 33 home runs in the year, but hit his 29th to break Cal Ripken's rookie home run record. So that's number four for me. Number four, same. Rookie Ryan Rakes. Yep. We can forget about April. From May 1st to October 3rd, Mountcastle yep. slash 266, 324, 528 with an 852 OPS, 32 homers, and 82 RBIs. He was the best rookie hitter in the American League and was voted the Player's Choice Rookie of the Year by his peers while also setting the Orioles' rookie home run record. He was top five amongst all rookies in almost every single offensive category. He's 24, man. He's only going to get better with age. Dude is an absolute monster, maybe the best pure hitter on the team. I am so freaking excited for the future for Ryan Mountcastle. I think this is a 40-homer, 40 40-double 40 guy. I really do. Um, so that, that, that's my number four. Number September three. 24th, another September baseball moment. Uh, Cedric Mullins reaches 30-30. He hits his 30th home run. He had already stolen his 30th base at that point. But Cedric Mullins becomes the, the 30-30 man for the Orioles. This is just incredibly significant for multiple reasons. Obviously demoted twice back a couple years ago, and then now just getting up here and becoming the guy, the the best player on the team, the, the MVP of the Orioles, the guy that won a silver slugger this year, maybe should have won a gold glove, the guy that just defied every expectation and became the first 30-30 guy for the Orioles. So big, big, big uh, year for Cedric Mullins and a big time uh, game on September 24th where he broke 30-30. I think our top four are basically the same. I would think um, so. My number three, Cedric Dirty 30-30. Yeah. Uh, 2019, miserable for Mullins. You mentioned demoted to AAA after 60, six for 64 start to the season. Demoted again to AA uh, when his play didn't improve. Gets a shot in 2020. Performs adequately. It's 275. Yeah. I'm um, 271. Leads the majors in the infield hits. So you're thinking, okay, maybe we have a solid fourth outfielder here. And then boom, he gives yeah. up hitting. He gives up switch hitting. Bats exclusively from the left side. Season begins with an 11-game hitting streak. We mentioned 5-for-5, five five, three doubles in the series finale of the opening series. 5-for-5 uh, five five with two home runs on June 5th. Aside from a swoon in May, he never slowed down. He started in center field in the All-Star game in place of an injured Mike Trout as the Orioles' lone representative. Mm-hmm. Stole bases in a flash, called everything in the air to stay in the ballpark, making highlight real play after highlight real play. 
September 11th, he hit his 29th home run. September 18th, he stole his 29th and 30th bags. And then on September 24th, because of the pressure, man, trying to get to that 30th home run nearly two weeks after his 29th, he hits his 30th to become the only player in the league to go 30-30 and the only player in franchise history to go 30-30. He became a star right before our yep. eyes. All right, number two. Number two, I was at Jimmy Seafood for this one. The Trey Mancini Home Run Derby. Came in second, didn't beat Pete Alonso, but Trey Mancini's Home Run Derby appearance was incredible. We know everything that Trey Mancini went through, and then just to see him come out there and, and almost win it was just unbelievable to watch. So much fun at Jimmy Seafood. It was it was a really incredible night. Yeah, number two for me, Trey Man Amongst Boys Sini. Uh, he beat cancer. He came back and played 147 games, played second in the Home Run Derby, hitting an Orioles record 59 home runs, and yet it was nothing compared to the fact that he beat effing cancer. Mm-hmm. It, what, he did. Like, this was... Trey's th- the best. You don't need... A lot of people would put him number one. It, it, what, what he it's, did... It's, yeah. What he did this year... Is remarkable. Right. He deserved every come. As Rockabaco said, he won three comeback player of the year awards. And the only reason he didn't win four is because there weren't four to be given out. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, what he did was absolutely remarkable. Love Trey. He's not my number one only because of the fact that what happened, what my number one and your number one is history. It is. Uh, and Trey did fade down the stretch. I expect a better season out of him this, this, I agree. this year. Um, but go ahead. Number one. It's the John Means no hitter. It's the John Means no matter. I'm sure you have something really well written for this. I'm going to let you read yours. All right. So mine is called number one, Hitless in Seattle. No individual Orioles pitcher had thrown a no hitter since Jim Palmer in 1969. The Orioles had a team that had thrown one since 1991. They'd been close, and each time it came with heart palpitations. <laughs> it was Cinco de Mayo. I had just received my second dose of Moderna earlier in the day and was in Plaza, <laughs> Mexico, in Falston with my soon to be uh, with my soon to be wife and with Bree Brown, her guy, and some friends. I paid attention to none of them. I was glued to the TV. Another patron comes up to me and says, Means is throwing a no-hitter. I almost uppercut him in the taint for the malfeasance. Mm. Kyle Lewis hit a deep fly ball to the left that looked gone off the bat. I had a mini heart attack. Yeah, me too. And Austin Hayes tracked the fly ball and made the catch. Pedro Severino also happened to drop a curve, uh, drop a curve ball for strike three, allowing a man to reach base and threw him out trying to steal. Don't want to talk about it. People said they wanted to change the drop third strike rule because that's what people do when things don't go their way. It's like, Correct. Get the hell out of here. It's not, yeah. Yeah. J.P. Crawford hit a sharp line on the short, and Rhea squeezed the ball in his glove. I jumped. I yelled. I hugged the man who moments earlier I nearly uppercutted in the taint. <laughs> All good. I was double. I was now double-vaxxed, and John Means had thrown a freaking no-hitter. Love it. it was I couldn't, awesome. have, couldn't have said it better myself. It was freaking awesome. Trivia time. Yes, it is trivia time. It is Zach, trivia time. Because Zach's got to get out of here. Oh, uh, Awesome segment. It was. That was a lot of fun. One of my favorites. A lot of fun. One of my favorites. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Which player had their first three home run game with the least amount of MLB career home runs? Nick Markakis. No. Really? No. This isn't Orioles. No, this is is baseball trivia. I thought we were doing Orioles trivia. Oh, are we? Well, he just happens to be an Orioles. Uh, 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 (laughs) He happens to be an Oriole, but it was baseball trivia. It could have been anyone. um, Okay. It could have been anyone. Yeah, I know. We did agree that it's going to be Orioles and baseball trivia the other yesterday because you said I know too much about the Orioles. By the way, as well, th- this guy had 14 home runs when he hit his first three home run game. 14 home runs when he had his first three homer game. I'm trying to remember all the three homer games for the Orioles. Like I remember Alomar. I remember Ripken in '96 out in Seattle. I mm-hmm. remember Marquez. I remember Albert Bell. I remember um, Ryan Mountcastle, Manny Machado. Uh, 
first three homer game with just 14. I'm going to say Cal. It's not Cal. There's no way it would have been. Why would your first trivia question be Cal? Don't <laughs> tell me. Okay. Um, I'm going to take three guesses, and then okay. you can tell me. Is it more modern? Yeah. More modern? Yeah. What, what do you define as modern? Uh, we'll say 95 to... Okay, yeah, then yeah, it's, it's modern. More mo- Is he still playing? Yes. Still playing three-homer game. Is he still playing for the Orioles? Yes. <laughs> yep. Huh. Oh, man. Still playing. Still... Oh, Ryan Mountcastle. It's Ryan Mountcastle. He he actually is the guy who had the least amount of career Major League Baseball home runs to have his first three home run game. I literally just said I remember yeah. Mountcastle. Yeah, I, I, I was looking up this stuff last night you know, to see what date he hit that three home run game, and then I found out that he's actually that has that stat. So there you go. I I, I actually was wanted to make it a whole baseball trivia thing so you wouldn't get Mountcastle as quick as you did, but there you go. It uh, is no, Ryan no, Mountcastle. But, but the, the, the thing is I asked you a lot of leading questions that got mm. me there, which, I, which is – Glenn does that sometimes, but I, the trivia that I give him sometimes is really, really freaking hard. There are very, very difficult ones, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, no, and the thing is, I was thinking you were going to go, I, I, for some reason, my mind was set on Orioles from like 1966 to 1998, mm-hmm. 99. Yeah. The, like, you can do whatever you want, but my, my mind was on that. And again, right. you can do Major League Baseball trivia, too. Definitely. Um, but yeah, no, good question. That was that Sounds was good. One. That was good. I, I got one for you next week. Okay, we will uh, we will talk about that then. We got to hit a final break. Zach's got to get out of here. Um, so when we come back, I'm going to close things out here on the bat around. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. The latest issue of Pressbox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 
including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Gonna let it play for a little bit here, everybody. Gonna let it play. Formerly Glenn Clark Music, it is now uh, the Bat Around with Paul Valley Music. Uh, if you're just tuning in, if you wanted to catch maybe the tail end of the show or for some reason you're into our little Ravens talk that we do during football season and you notice that Zach is not here and I'm in the producer seat, that's because Zach unfortunately had to leave early today to go to a funeral. So I'm closing things out solo style here on the Bat Around. I uh, just want to say special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment and happy belated birthday to that to that young man who just turned a, a ripe 70 years old the other day. So happy birthday to you, Stan. Uh, and a special thanks to John Mioli, who is taking his talents away from the Baltimore Sun, going to be doing something that's more appropriate for him to be with his family, uh, with his new baby baby girl. and uh, But he's still going to be covering the Orioles, um, maximizing playoff odds for Substack. is going to be his newsletter. So uh, look forward to reading that. So thanks to those guests and all of our sponsors here on the Bat Around today. So before we close things out here, I do want to discuss the um, I want to discuss Mike Elias because people are up in the air a little bit about what is going on with Mike Elias, what's going on with the Orioles, how the major league product isn't good, and when are they going to start winning again? And I don't think that this rebuild is working. And look, guys. I get it. Nothing is guaranteed. There's nothing written in stone. No, nobody came out here and said, this is going to work when Mike Elias took over uh, after the 2018 season. However, he told us there were things that he was going to do. He said, we're going to get a footprint in the international market. Check. Double check. $25 million on the Dominican Baseball Academy. Triple check. All right. said, we're going to infuse talent into our pipeline top rated system in baseball top rated farm system in baseball with number one overall prospect Adley Rutschman and the number one overall uh, pitching prospect and I believe number eight overall um, in Grayson Rodriguez check guys everything that Michael Elias has said he was going to do to this point he is done he's done and he even he said when the time is right when we feel like we're ready we will Put money into the major league roster to add and make us contenders. I believe he's going to do that. You look back 2012 to 2016 when the Orioles were in the five-year stretch of winning more baseball games than any team in the American League and making the postseason three times. Their payroll was over $160 million a couple years in a row. Top half of the league. The Orioles are going to spend money. I, 
I firmly believe that they're going to spend money when the time is right. And I know losing 118 games and then losing 108 games and then having a truncated season that was still on pace for about 95 losses and if 2021 was any indicator, probably over 100 again. And then coming back to a full season in 2021 and losing 110 games, it sucks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. That sucks. It's hard to watch. It's hard to do a show, a weekly baseball show, about a team that loses that much. But why do we do this? We do it because we believe in what Mike Elias is doing. We put infinite trust in in, in Ozzie Newsom and infinite trust in Eric DaCosta. And look, a lot of that is because they've proven it with winning football for the Baltimore Ravens. But at one point, the Ravens weren't a winning franchise. At one point, they were one of the worst teams in football. And we trusted them to get the team where it needed to go. At one point, they were an expansion franchise. Not an expansion franchise because they came, but they were a new franchise. But we trusted them to get the team where they needed to get to, and they did. And from since, 20, since 2000 through 2021, the Ravens have won way more than they've lost. And they've been to the postseason... I think 14 times, 12, 14 times, and they've won two Super Bowls. And I, I do believe that Mike Elias can get this team on track to have similar success in the baseball world to the Ravens' success in the football world. We just, uh, just a little bit more patience, guys. Just a little bit more patience. And I know it's even harder to have that kind of patience when we have a lockout on our hands and when you see millionaires fighting with billionaires over over money and revenue, and it, it's it's frustrating. And I'm there with you. I'm there with you. You want things... We knew it was going to be slow through the holiday season, and you want things to kind of pick up, and the fact that it hasn't is disheartening. But it's been a week. It's been a week since the holiday... Really, five business days since the holiday season ended. Something's going to happen. It may push back spring training. I can't tell you it's not going to push back the start of the Major League Baseball season. I really think that's worst-case scenario. And I think as selfish as we think both sides have been and as deluded uh, as they are to what the fan base is feeling, how disconnected they are with the fan base, I do believe that both sides do not want to to miss out on games. The players, (laughs) they don't want to lose paychecks. And the owners don't want to lose the revenue of those games that they're going to miss out on. So I believe that a deal is going to get done, and I have, I'd say I'm, I'm at this point I'm 70-30 in my confidence level that they're going to get a deal done where they won't, it won't impact, it'll probably impact spring training, but it won't impact the major league season. Because really, you can do three to four weeks of spring training and be good to go. You don't need six weeks. That's more for the pitchers than it is the hitters. The hitters are usually good to go. They usually hit on their own in the offseason anyway, and then they're usually good to go about a week or two into uh, spring training. So the, the length of spring training is more so for the pitchers than anything else. I think that you could see a four-week spring training, but the baseball season start on time at the end of March. And I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to that. If you pay attention to the show, you know that winter is like, ugh, now is the winter of our discontent. I hate, I hate the winter. I cannot stand it. I hate the cold. I hate the snow. There's nothing good that comes from it. Unless you're a big skier and a big snowboarder, and I used to be, but I, I don't get out there too often anymore. I've skied once in the last 20 years. Um, but look, uh, I want baseball back. I want it now. I want spring training to start off. It's better for me as a person. It's better for the show. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Something's going to get done. The whole, the whole mantra right now is patience, guys. Patience. 
uh, it's a virtue and for good reason. So patience in, in Mike Elias, patience with the Orioles, and patience with Major League Baseball as a whole, trying to get things figured out and get a new CBA. I do agree with John Mioli. He said that the players... Uh, the players need what they what, what they deserve. The owners win down these things far too often. Every time the 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 players come out on the losing end, so I do think it's important for the players to um, to get a win here. Uh, but I think more so, it's important for the sanctity of the game to get something figured out sooner rather than later. Uh, as for the Ravens, it's been um, look when they, when they were eight and three through week twelve and were the number one seed in the AFC. Guys, it was pretty much smoke and mirrors to have all the injuries and then COVID came up and then Lamar Jackson gets injured uh, in that December 12th game against the Browns. This this fall was kind of coming. Maybe if Marlon Humphrey doesn't get hurt, and I think if Marlon Humphrey doesn't get hurt and if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt, the Ravens are in the playoffs. I, they probably don't win a game. Maybe they win in, in the wild card round, but they're not going very far. Not with how depleted the roster is because of injury. So it's... It's one of those things that, um, one of those things where, if they got to the playoffs, it's cool because you get to say your playoff streak is still alive and well. But I look at this team and those those guys over at the other uh, the other sports station. They um, they're saying what happened with the Ravens? There was regression. There was regression, dude. No, there wasn't. No, maybe maybe Lamar regressed, but how can you not regress with no running game and no offensive line when the the entire team? is on your back. And he, look, he has stepped up time and time again and through the first half of the season he was MVP candidate. And then the wheels fell off because the wheels fell off long before his wheels fell off. This is this is what happens when your team is beat up. I say get healthy in the offseason and let's run this thing back. You're going to have some some moves to make. Pat Ricard's a free agent uh, at the end of the year. Um, Marcus Peters is going to have to restructure, but uh, talking on GCR, we think that that's something that he's going to be willing to do um, to, stay, to stay with the team. Calais Campbell, maybe he comes back on a lesser deal uh, just to try and make a run at the Super Bowl before he retires. Because If Calais Campbell, in my opinion, if he's not back with the Ravens, he's retiring. That, that's my opinion. Jimmy Smith. He still thinks he has a little bit left in the tank, um, but maybe. Uh, but if he's not back with the Ravens, I do believe he retires. But I think that the Ravens, there's no reason not to bring Jimmy Smith back. You need all the depth you can get. And guys, I said it back in August. I said it back in August when they were willing to trade Sean Wade. And look, I don't think Sean Wade's a difference maker on this team by any stretch. But the fact of the matter is, willing to trade any defensive back when you are as beat up as when you. Let me rephrase that because they weren't beat up at the time. Being willing to trade any defensive back when year after year after year this this secondary gets depleted by injury and a lot of secondaries get depleted by injury, I think it's 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 short sighted, um, and it came back to bite them in the butt because they have no depth. Now hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But for me, I I saw this coming. I, no, I didn't see Deshaun Elliott and Marcus Peters. Uh, I'm sorry, Deshaun Elliott and Marlon Humphrey tearing their pecs, and I didn't see uh, Marcus Peters tearing his ACL. But injuries happen, and they seem to happen a lot to the Ravens in their secondary. they got to figure out why everybody got hurt. Maybe it's just a fluky season. But look, 2015 through 2017, they had at least 17 guys on IR. They got masked by the fact that in 2018, Lamar comes out and takes his team to the playoffs. What was it, three years in a row? Yeah, three years in a row and almost a fourth year in a row if he hadn't hurt his ankle. The injuries are a problem. 25 guys, if you include Lamar, on season-ending IR, it's not good. It's not good, and something needs to happen. Something needs to change. What that is, I don't know. Ravens playing the Steelers tomorrow night, taking on Ben Roethlisberger. And perhaps the final game of his career, 
Glenn and I aren't sold just yet that it's his final game uh, of his career, but it certainly is his final game with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to say that the Ravens are going to win this game just because they're at home and they want to. They they do not want Ben to come in and win his first his last game in Baltimore. His first game was in Baltimore and he threw two picks, um, including a pick six to Chris McAllister, and he lost that game and then didn't lose another game until the AFC Championship game in his rookie season. I think the Orioles, the Orioles, the Ravens want to send him out the way that they brought him in with a loss. So I think the Ravens are going to win this game tomorrow. I think it's going to be ugly. I'm going to say 17-13 Baltimore. Ravens with Tyler Huntley being the player of the game. Real quick before we go, Michael Swans uh, commented on Facebook, uh, Rob Manfred action on Rosenthal is aimed to create a chilling effect on the media that reports on MLB during this lockout that he created. Make no mistake on that. He hates the fans. He destroyed dozens of minor league teams, and he is working to control PR through media intimidation now by controlling access, and it will likely work. Uh yeah, I, what Stan said, it comes down to money. You, uh, you, Rob Manfred is easily the most hated man in baseball. Th- that's clear. Um, it comes down to the money. Um, his contract, he got that big contract extension in 2018, so he's here through, it was five years, he's here through 2023. A lot of, lot of traction for um, Theo Epstein being the next baseball commissioner. I think people would love that until he does something you don't like. And then you, there, you have the pitchforks and... Um, and torches out for him as well. Uh, that's not to make an excuse for Rob Manfred. I think you look back, if you watch that screwball documentary on Netflix, you look back at how he handled the whole Balco thing and the things that he did um, before he became commissioner. Now everything he's done as commissioner, I think he's a scummy human being. I just think he is. And I think he, he's dishonest, disingenuous, um, and deceitful. Duplicitous would be a good word here. Um, uh, I can't imagine him getting an extension as the commissioner. But to uh, Michael Swan's point, it will likely uh, he's looking to control PR through media intimidation now by controlling access, and it will likely work. We're, we're at, his, um, at his discretion, at his disposal, until he's not in office anymore. So it's, it's just one of those things that we're going to kind of have to deal with. I'm not a big conspiracy guy. Uh, I, I'm not a big, um, oh, well... This is what they want you to believe, but this is what's really happening. That's that's not who I am, but I do think that there is a lot of uh, a lot of credibility to the people that 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 hate and dislike Rob Manfred. So that's that's my take on that. Not trying to get too conspiracy theory esque here, but that's my take on that. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the bat around today and for indulging me as I do the solo end to the show here. We will be ne- back next week with Stan the Fan. Charles Zach will be back in this chair producing again. Again, he had to leave a little bit early to do the post game show. Um, not sure who our guest will be, but I'm going to try and get somebody, hopefully somebody that uh, dealt with the uh, strike in the 94-95 season. So stay tuned for that. Until then, guys, thank you for tuning in. See ya!